All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 135 in full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you guys, whether you're live streaming, podcasting, or YouTubing. Thank you so much for allowing us to play a part in your day. We got a lot of Chiefs coverage to get to, guys, whether it's the... The week, the game from last week or this week, we got a big divisional game coming up. We also have our guy from Kingdom Says Podcast, Mr. Kyle Henning, Henning coming onto our show. Henning is winning, as I like to say. He's going to be on our show in the next few minutes. Uh, cannot wait to get his thoughts and the takeaways from the Ravens game and from the Chargers game that's coming up this week. Um, also, you should guys definitely give them a follow on Twitter and Facebook as well. They put out really good content. Him, Garrett, and all those guys, Arrowhead Tom, they do some really good stuff. I was actually a guest on their show this last week, and we had an absolute blast despite what we had to talk about, which was not a lot of positive things from the week ago. And so this is kind of a unique show for us here at the Spoken Podcast because it's not very often that we get to relish on a Chiefs loss, if you will. Those don't really come around very often these days, and we're going to have to break some of that down. But first and foremost, once again, we want to thank all thank you all of our listeners and viewers that have been watching this show as long as you have and if this is your first show welcome aboard guys this is what we like to do here each and every saturday so let's get to some things some brass tacks like i said it's it wasn't exactly a a fun week of football for us chiefs fans out here in kansas city this over this la, over these last six seven days because like i said this is a uh, rather frustrating loss and it's never fun to lose regardless of how the, the final result of the score ends up becoming, but this was a frustrating loss in my eyes because of the fact that I felt that the Chiefs had not only the significant matchup advantage, if you guys, I think we all talked about this in the show last week, I think that there was a lot of positives in the Chiefs' favor, whereas the Ravens had 15 guys on IR, the Chiefs had almost a completely healthy team outside of Willie Gay, Tyron Matthew was back, Frank Clark was back, and we're looking at this team ready to go into Baltimore and pounce on this team. And we saw the Chiefs' offense, and we're going to obviously break down Chiefs' offense and defensive uh, takeaways in this game, but we saw the Chiefs' offense go out there and, and play like we expected them to play. They played very efficient. They played. They moved the ball down the field methodically. It looked almost easy at some times. Uh, outside of one bad Patrick Mahomes pass, Patrick Mahomes was pretty much perfect the entire game. Um, and we're going to talk about the offense, but I actually want to start on the defense uh, this week. I know we usually like to start with the exciting stuff first, but I actually want to get to the, the nasty, ugly part of this game, which was the Chiefs' defense. Now, look, we knew coming into this season that the Chiefs were going to have a tough task first and foremost, right out of the gate, right out of the chute this season, knowing they're going against two of the most prolific and, quite frankly, the most unique running offenses in the NFL with the Browns week one. The, the Browns are unique in the fact that they have a have an offense that is built on, a, on such an, a strong and elite offensive line, along with the fact that unlike most teams, they have not one but two of the ten, in my opinion, ten, ten best running backs in football when they get their opportunities. Nick Chubb is without question an elite running back. When Kareem Hunt has been given opportunities 
opportunities, he always shines. He, we know this better than almost anybody, that in Kansas City, he was putting up insane numbers here in Kansas City. And the only reason he's not starting is because he's behind an elite running back like Nick Chubb. So they have a unique style of running games. They have a stable of running backs. And they have a very capable quarterback in Baker Mayfield that keeps the defenses honest. And then you look at this week against the Ravens. We know, and I told you guys from the very beginning, we talked about this on the show, that I thought that the Ravens are going to come in this game and put up points because Lamar Jackson, when his back is up against the wall, he relies on his athleticism, and more times than not in regular season games, that's going to pan out well for the Ravens, and we saw just that. So I'm not going to sit here and, and damn the Chiefs' defense for having to go against those types of run attack, rushing offenses because regardless of how great your defense is, you're never going to look great against great running offenses. But you can't look terrible. And that's where I'm gonna that's where I'm gonna criticize the Chiefs defense a little bit because of the fact that we didn't see a Chiefs defense look even halfway decent against these two offenses. They got absolutely bullied in these two games, giving up over 404 total rushing yards and 65 total points. I don't know about anybody else that is sitting here at this table or that's listening to my voice or watching my beautiful face right now. I don't know if anybody could agree with me on this, but I, I think that's about as terrible as it can get. And that's why, and I've never been somebody that wants to compare the Chiefs to the past, especially when it comes to 2018 and how ugly that defense was under Bob Sutton. But after these two weeks, I can't help but sit here and, and be inclined to, to open up that door a little bit, at least open up a window to that possibility because we have not seen a Chiefs defense that is even able to push back. This is the problem I brought up and, and I presented in the Kingdom Says podcast this last week. It's the, the, the fact that you can't look terrible against these defenses when you're supposed these offenses when you're supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, the face of the AFC, the face of the NFL. You can't be that bad. You can you can struggle because everybody struggles against great running attacks, but you can't look awful and the worst in the NFL. And that's where the Chiefs have been to this point. And I uh, decided to call out Steve Spagnolo. I'll tell you guys for the record, when I first heard the Chiefs were signing him back in 2019 and the 2019 offseason, I was very nervous about this. Because although Spagnuolo's had a lot of highs in his careers, in his career, he's had equal lows. He's had really bad seasons as a defensive coordinator, and he was an awful head coach as well. So I was willing to give it a shot because I trust Andy Reid and I trust the Chiefs brass for the most part, but I had my own questions. Well, this is year three, and Steve Spagnuolo now has his defense. This is the year three. This is when coaches have their guys. They've had three off-seasons to build it and put it together. And this is the best that we can get out of Steve Spagnuolo's defenses. So I tweeted it out there. And by the way, you can follow me at Twitter, at Lance the Spoke. And I said, quote, I have no idea what Spags is doing this season, and I can't help but wonder if Spags does either. You get bullied for three and a half quarters and allow 29 points at your home opener, then get your best, most valuable defender, Tyron Matthew and Frank Clarps' corpse back in week two versus a depleted, de depleted Ravens roster and get bullied for all four quarters this time, allowing 36 points? And that got some attention. It got attention from the guy that I admire and I respect and I marvel over half the time and the guy that I just said is the most valuable player on the Chiefs defense, Tyron Matthew. He tweeted me back and said, quote, don't do that to that man. He can't take the field and his shit work. Hold me accountable. I can handle it. That's a good man and a damn good coach. See, most people would look at that and say, why is Tyron Matthew coming at me like that? Because in all honesty, and I don't care what anybody says, what I said was true. Spags looks lost right now as a defensive coordinator. He does not look like he knows what he's doing with this defense. Because again, it's one thing to give up points and rushing yards to a great rushing attack. It's another to get bullied all game long for back-to-back -back weeks. 
But what I what I want to say about this when Tyron Matthew came at me about this, and I don't I didn't take it as him coming at me. I think he was just defending his team and defending his coach. I'm gonna tell you guys, I actually love that about Tyron Matthew. I think that's I think that's a a very honorable trait from him because he knows, despite his contract situation, whether he's gonna get re-signed by the Chiefs, he takes he takes leadership and responsibility of this defense. And even when he didn't play in week one, he's putting this on himself. So I respect that and I admire that about Tyron Matthew. And I think he did a great job coming at me about that and defending his coach and coming coming to honor his players and his teammates and putting that on himself. But Tyron Matthew's wrong. This isn't on Tyron Matthew. This isn't his fault because I don't. Maybe I maybe I missed it or I, I blinked when it happened. But isn't Tyron Matthew the one that forced two turnovers in this game? Now, granted, Lamar Jackson had two horrific throws. But if we're going to take any highlights and any positives out of that game, wouldn't it have been Tyron Matthew on the defensive side? So I'm not going to sit here and criticize Tyron Matthew. That's why I brought up to the, the, the point that Steve Spagnuolo got him back. Did not have him in Week One. Did not have Frank Clark in Week One. Whether Frank Clark is a good football player anymore or not. The fact is, you're better with Frank Clark's body out there than not, at least theoretically. And he got bullied even worse against a team that was broke down. Now, I did expect the Ravens to score 27 points in this game. I didn't expect them to score 36. So this is a real problem. And the Chiefs have an opportunity to to, to change the trajectory this week against a Chargers team that have their own problems. We're going to talk about that in a little bit when it comes to the Chargers and Chiefs matchup. But it's unacceptable, it's inexcusable what the Chiefs defense has done to this point, and this falls at the feet of Steve Spagnuolo. I don't care what Tyron Matthew has to say. I mean, I do, but I don't in the same breath because of the fact that I know why he's doing it, but there's still truth to everything I said and several people are saying out there. So as a defense, what they've done so far to me is equivalent to what they did in 2018. Do I believe in this defense this season more than I did in the 2018 season? Yes, because I don't have Orlando Skandrick out there. Yeah, so, and Bob Sutton's not leading the way. I have more confidence in Steve Spagnuolo. I still believe in Steve Spagnuolo. That's why it's frustrating. When it came to Bob Sutton's defenses, I was frustrated because there was no escaping it. No, because you no knew, that, yeah, you just knew that's how he was going to do things and just pissed you off. I believe Steve Spagnuolo has enough credibility and enough tenure in this game and quite frankly, enough success in this game to believe and buy in that he can change things. And the Chiefs are gonna, they're not gonna be facing the Browns and Ravens every week. They're not gonna be facing teams that can rush for 150 to 200 yards a game every single week. That doesn't excuse the lackluster performances the Chiefs put out there as a defense. So I wanna get your guys' thoughts on the Chiefs as a, as a defense in this game, recap on that, and then we're going to move to the offense because I saw some really good things from the offense. Yeah, so my initial reaction, I took to Twitter, I took to Facebook. Uh, I was very critical of Spags immediately. Um, and it, it does fall at his feet, but not solely at his feet. Um, the defense, the, the the star talent we have out there, the, the money that we've invested into these players, I think just as equally as it falls at the feet of Spags, it falls at the feet of the performance of these athletes because – we can talk about you know Spags defense and so on, so on. The players got to go out there and make the plays, right? We I, there was a lot of times Spags had guys in position. We were just getting bullied by this makeshift offensive line and, 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 from the Ravens. I mean, you say Spags looked lost. Has his defense looking? I mean, Chris Jones might look lost more than anybody out there last week. He does not understand how to set an edge yet. He, he or if he does set the edge, he's kind of like standing there waiting for the play to get to him instead of attacking. It's like sometimes Chris Jones doesn't understand how intimidating he is sometimes with his size. Like He gets out there. He, I'm not saying take him off of the edge and put him back in the middle because I do want to see him develop as an edge player. 
because that's just a new dynamic that would just be so the ceiling for our defense would go so much higher if he gets he becomes that great of an edge player. He's this guy. He's obviously this is growing pains for him. This is new for him. Um, I want to see him do great at it, but he was bad. He was really bad against the run. Uh, he was pretty bad against the run uh, against Cleveland too. He's not good at setting the edge and keeping you know Cappy either a mobile quarterback or running backs um, and forcing them to, to run back inside. He, he he waits for plays to come to him too much instead of attacking and picking a direction and, and just going for either the quarterback or the running back. Just go after somebody, man. Make your presence known instead of standing there waiting for the play to come to you. That's not who Chris Jones is supposed to be. He's supposed to get, be the guy that sets the tone. You got to be the first attacker on that. And that was not fun to watch. Um, he could have been a lot better. Um, but I, I just think as a whole, I, we, we, I mean, we. my initial reaction was we didn't sell out to stop the run. There were a lot of stacked boxes, but a lot of times we, were, we, were, we would drop back into zone or we would, I just didn't see, there were stacked boxes, but we weren't getting the pressure, man. We weren't. I mean, Jaron Reed, what name wasn't mentioned once. This is a guy that's supposed to be a pillar player for this defense. We brought him over here to be that in the middle, to take that spot for Chris Jones. And he, these first two weeks, we haven't seen anything from, from him, man. And we need to see more from Jaron Reed. And Jaron Reed's come out as of uh, as of late talking about that and, and understanding now his role and um, he has to step it up. I think this defense knows uh, that they need to step it up, man. And it was not a good performance at all. We, we knew the Ravens were going to run. This is why I'm mad at Spagnuolo. We knew the Ravens were going to run. We didn't make it uncomfortable for Lamar. Lamar was comfortable the whole night. And we weren't bringing safety blitzes. We weren't bringing uh, 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 corner blitzes like Spags loves to do. Spags is incredible at bringing those. If we get beat deep, which we did a couple times, I'll live with that. If Lamar beats us deep with the throw, I will live with that. Even if it's a touchdown, broken coverage, whatever. I, as long as we're bringing blitz packages and getting to Lamar and not allowing them to run on us, which is their strength offensively, I'll live with that whatever happens downfield. Play man, one-on-one. I don't give a damn. And just bring the house against Lamar and do whatever you got to do to stop that run. Because they had dudes off the streets scoring on us. They had Latavius Murray who they just brought in. They had Devonta, the corpse of Devonta Freeman in there running down our throats. And then they had that rookie running down our throats. Absolutely unacceptable. And, Lamar, and if we're being honest, if you go watch the game again, which I did, I've watched it twice. Lamar was not special. There was a couple plays that were like, damn, with his legs. But I mean, outside of that, there was nothing like... Like, Lamar was just, like, absolutely dicing us apart. There was a couple nice throws he had, but outside of the couple nice throws, that jump throw was pretty cool. In other words, the defense is, was way worse just, than Lamar was great. Yes. Yeah. It was, this is, oh, absolutely. This game was far more about our defense being terrible than it was about Lamar being otherworldly. Because Lamar's numbers in the end looked great because the rushing was – but, I mean, he didn't throw for much, you know. And, and we just – I just was very disappointed that we didn't just completely sell out to stop the run and just live with the results of Lamar beats you in the air. I'll do that every single time. And that's what we've done, you know, recently, uh, the last few times we faced them. We didn't allow, allow uh, I mean, granted, Lamar's going to get his chunk place here and there, regardless of what you do. He's that great. Uh, yeah, he averaged seven yards a carry. Athletically, yeah, he's going <laughs> to get. But, I mean, anytime a team has almost 100, over 100, well, almost 100 more rushing yards than, than passing yards against you and they beat you, that is embarrassing, dude. That never should happen. You should never get ran on that much compared to how much you're getting passed on. Because this is a passing league. And you know what they're doing, and they're running almost... It's just It was embarrassing overall. And what I think the catalyst was, is as great as we love that pick six to start the game, I think that hurt the defense. You want to know you why? You think put it in ease? I, I, think, I, think, I think what happened was we were so hyped. Tyron got that touchdown. And anytime you... 
if I were to tell you before the game started, Tyron Matthews started the game with a pick six, uh, and then the uh, and then Lamar throws two uh, or Lamar. So we start the game off with the pick six. Lamar throws another pick, uh, and the only the first scoring touchdown was a fumble into the air, and the Ravens somehow got caught the ball and got into the end zone. It wasn't like some impressive drive. It was an impressive drive, but like the way they scored. Remember the first score for them? Yep. The the ball got popped up in the air, and uh, Duvernay caught it, and it's a freak thing. Somehow always happens to us these weird things. But if I were to tell you, that's how the game started. Pick six, Tyron Matthew. Oh, the Chiefs win, bro. Yeah, that, I mean, I, when I was when I saw that play, because I wasn't expecting it that quick. I was expecting Lamar right. to have a couple turnovers in this game, whether fumble or interception. But I was when I saw that, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was looking at okay, the Chiefs are going to blow them out because right. I know the Chiefs' offense is going to play very good tonight, and they ended up playing great. Mm. I knew that they were going to play what they whatever style they wanted to play offensively and dictate how this game was going to go. But seeing that play, I agree. I think there is something to that <laughs> that maybe the Chiefs' defense said. They're they're gonna struggle against us, man. Yeah. We don't even have to bring well, the house. We should have, but yeah, saw... I think I just think the Chiefs. I watched the game again, man. The Chiefs were just not aggressive defensively. We were there was guys getting just and that's why I'm putting it on Steve Spagnuolo because he did not keep his guys in that mindset that once that takes. Because here's one thing, it's and equal. Wanna, it's equal to blame, man. Because I, I wanna, the players got to play, bro. I get it, but I'm saying I want to now. I, Maddie and I had talked about this uh, throughout the week. That the reason why it's upsetting for me on Spagnolo is not just because of the end result, but we, what do we know Spagnolo to be? Is a blitzing defensive coordinator. He's always been an aggressive. Even back when he had back in New York, he had Michael Strahan and Tuck and OCU Manure and those guys. He was still blitzing, and those are Hall of Fame type guys. And when you don't have those types of guys at, at a plethora like like he did back 15 years ago. You still got you got to send it even more, and we saw maybe a couple stunts. And what do you know? The the few Lamar Jackson hits the Chiefs got in the backfield was when they were running stunts and they were up front pressure. They yeah. weren't doing that enough. So, I, I, and I want to get Eddie's thoughts on this too because that was something I know Eddie was frustrated about, and I wanted to get his thoughts on that. Eddie, what did you take away from the defensive side of things as far as the aggressiveness, lack of aggressiveness, the end result? What did you take away? The missed tackles. That's that, that was fucking the, Dan Sorensen, man. Dude, that, that was the the biggest issue we had. We there was times we got to the we got to the running back. Uh, there was times we could have taken him down for a loss of yards. Yeah. But it's just those missed tackles. I don't know what it is. I don't know if the Chiefs go in there and say, "Hey, today we're not going to tackle guys, so uh, just be prepared to push push them to the ground." Yeah, the Chiefs were playing two hand like, touch. Yeah, like look out. On, like come on now. Like <laughs> we we can't be doing that shit. And then yeah. we got Daniel Sorensen. Leading the league in missed tackles, like what kind of shit is that? Meanwhile, Juan Thornhill Juan sitting Th- on the exactly sidelines. only eleven snaps in, yeah. against the Ravens. I I, I, I'm baffled by that. Uh, but but yeah, the the, the missed uh, the missed tackles is what what pisses me off every single time. Yep. And and I texted you guys like this shit's 2018 all over again when <laughs> when uh, offenses were just able to run against us like it wasn't shit. Like we we put players out there, but it feels like they're just playing by themselves. Uh, the uh, the the opposing offense playing by themselves. Yes, Tyron Matthews' two interceptions were were amazing, were great. But that's that that's the only two things you can take away from that from the defense that uh, uh, against the Ravens. There, there is nothing else you can take away from that defense. It, it just baffles me what, like we have the talent to be a great defense. The talent is there. The, the 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 names the names are there, is just them being able to perform to their level that they should be performing, and and they just they're just not, uh, like I I don't know what like we all expected the Ravens to run because mm-hmm. obviously it's Lamar Jackson, 
that should have been that should have been like your priority is like just stop the run. Yeah, they're gonna beat you in the air a couple times. That's fine. Let them get their points through the air. They're not gonna get many because they rely so much on their run game that if you stop their run game, it's gonna be impossible for them to play catch up. Just kind kind of like last season. Last season the Ravens tried to play catch up and they couldn't. The defense was able to put a put a stop to that and. You know, the defense was able to perform last season. This year, it's like the defense went in there. It's like, all right, we're not going to pressure Lamar. We're just going to let him do what he does. And then we'll we'll just beat him with, with our offense. Like, what kind of fucking mentality is that? Like, we can't have that. A mentality to get you a loss in the AFC exactly, Championship. Exactly. Exactly. We can't. We can't. We can't. Have, yes, it's only week two, which I'm, I'm not too concerned because I'm with you. Like, I, I, I believe in Spags, and I do think that this defense can turn it over as the season progresses. But if we go into week five, week six, week six, like like this, and the defense keeps performing the same, my Super Bowl prediction can change by week seven because I am not going to trust this defense to be able to help Patrick Mahomes and and carry us to the to the to the Super Bowl. There's just no way. Once once the playoffs start, it's a totally different tournament. Yeah. And if we can't rely on our defense to to perform on a weekly basis. How are we going to be able to rely on them when it matters the most? Because to your point, you can look at it on the exact same. You can look at it from the exact same lens when it comes to the offensive line of last year. That you can't rely on that offensive line, and look what happened in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you may be able to will yourself to that game, but look at the significant mismatch that was. It can be said in the same regard when it comes to the defense, because that's what held the only two losses Patrick Mahomes has in the playoffs are when he had two things that he could not overcome on his own uh, his own roster. It wasn't the the opposition was just too strong. It was that he couldn't overcome what is un- you can't overcome to begin with. No quarterback can. That's so- why. Yeah, that's why. I- I feel like the early success of that play with that pick six from Tyron, I feel like that most teams you would want them to pin their ears back even more and be like, all right, let's just get up to the quarterback. Our defense already scored a touchdown. We set up Pat for a great start. But, no, I feel like we rested on the talent of Patrick Mahomes, which Pat played good. Uh, Pat played great most of the game outside of that pick, but we'll get there. But, I mean, I just think sometimes we rest on the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, especially when the defense scores their own touchdown. I just feel like the, the defense kind of rested on their laurels a little bit. And just kind of like coasted, and then they got punched in the mouth without that running game, and they just, we just weren't prepared. Like, granted, Spags, you got to be that leader, you got to be that voice for your defense. But also, for me, I feel like the captains of our defense, the Tyron Matthews, the Chris Jones, should have been those raw, raw guys to get in their dude's ass. And I didn't see enough guys getting on each other to wake the hell up and stop the run. The boxes were stacked, man, but we just weren't getting there. Jaron Reed's got to be better than that. We were getting gashed up the middle. What, what, what's with Spagnolo not doing blitz? Like, Corner blitzes and that safety is, blitzes. Were, yeah. yeah. That, that's his. And especially against Lamar Jackson, put yeah. that pressure yeah. on There's him. There's never going to be a guy you blitz. It's a guy that's going to try to run the ball exactly. and clog in the lanes. So I don't know. And then Chris Jones on the edge. I. Look, so, so it's far, growing pains. I will so, say this. so far, so far, I am not a fan of it. Yeah. So I know he it's hasn't only been very two, good. It's yeah. only two weeks, but I am definitely. Right now, as as it as it is, week two, I am not on board or on Chris Jones being on the edge because he is not performing. I, if, look, if they move Chris Jones back to the middle, 
That means that Jaron Reed and Derek Nadi are failures. Yeah. There's no reason in the world why they need to move Chris Jones back there unless they're they're conceding to the fact that Jaron Reed was a flop. Yeah. That's the only reason because Jaron Reed was brought here to give Chris Jones that ability. That was the sole purpose. I'm not going to put it all on Chris Jones. No. He was awful in this game, but I think he was also set up for failure in this one because Frank Clark was even worse. So I think that's the fact that we have to play here is that Chris Jones also has to have a teammate here. Look, as great as Aaron Donald is. He's had brockers. He's had other guys around him that make his job a little bit easier. TJ Watt, Watt had Bud Dupree. JJ uh, Watts had players around him like Merciless. Guys like that that help him and make other opportunities available for him to get more one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Because when you're getting double teamed, and especially when you're going against a freak athlete like Lamar Jackson, because I'll be honest with you guys, I told you guys last week, I wasn't expecting Chris Jones to have a big game this week. He wasn't really getting double teamed much, though. Well, I'm just saying, though, because Andres Villanueva, although he is washed, yeah, he, he moved to his natural position. Yeah. He did move to his natural position. Yeah. He's not a he's a horrible right tackle. He's not a good left tackle either. But you can get one good game out of him. You can get one good game out of him because that was his natural position. I guarantee you this week, Andres Villanueva is going to be terrible against Detroit. I will put money on that. I just feel it's, like he got he, he he got conjured up for one big game because he knew this is a prime time Chiefs game, trying to get that monkey off their back like John Harbaugh. They did celebrate that win like it was a fucking Super Bowl yeah, victory. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll so, get we'll get there. So my point is, yeah. is that I think that Chris Jones, although he was not good, <laughs> I think there is a little context in here to defend him in this, and I'm expecting. A much better game this week against the Chargers than last week against the Ravens. I understand from the naked eye when you're playing against a decrepit offensive line that has been depleted of talent, Chris Jones probably should have had a big game. But the way the Ravens played and how they did, they stuck to their guns for the first time against the Chiefs. This is the first time in three match, four matchups now against the Chiefs that Lamar Jackson's offense stuck to their guns. Because yeah. once they got behind against the Chiefs in the previous three games, they started chucking the ball, chucking the ball, chucking the ball. There's a stat out there that it, it, it proves it. In Lamar Jackson's career, he averages 18 pass attempts per game against every team not named the Chiefs. Against yeah. the Chiefs, he averages 35 pass attempts, yeah. which means he's doubling up his pass attempts against the Chiefs, which means the Ravens started to panic every single time they start losing to the Chiefs. They stuck to their guns, and you got to give them credit for that because they, they took it to this Chiefs defense against on fourth down. I, as much as I wanted the Chiefs to win this game, and as a Chiefs fan, I would have been pissed at the Ravens if they wouldn't have went for it on those fourth downs because they knew in themselves, and I knew it, there was no chance we were stopping. Oh, and plus, and plus, I mean, the context is huge here too. The Ravens coming off that embarrassing loss to the Raiders that they should have won, they had a miracle gifted to them, and they still blew it. That that, that was an embarrassing thing to happen for them, and they're so them coming off motivated. But look, man, packed I, house. I look at it this way, especially for the Chiefs. We we could very well be zero and two right now if things didn't go our way in Cleveland, and we didn't make some timely big defensive plays. We could be, we could have lost that game, and we and we lost this game due to a, a late game fumble as well. But my problem is we 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 don't. This is our, this is my thing too. Last week uh, when I brought up you know the fact that Andy Reid Andy Reid never puts his foot on the throat. We need to start bowling teams too. We need to start being that team that puts teams away instead of playing down to our competition. We let teams hang around too much, man. We really do, and we and then and that forces Pat to try to do too much offensively. And I know we're going to talk about the offense right now, but like the Chiefs, we need to have a reality check as not only fans, but especially as players and coaches, that we could very well be zero and two right now, be in the bottom of this division right now if it wasn't for certain things breaking our way. I mean, we had, look. I mean, we, things broke our way last week, and things didn't break our our way this week. We need to stop putting it in the hands of the football gods to decide who wins a game. We need to go take games. From these teams, it's embarrassing that we're letting. Not, I mean, look, we play, we face two really good teams first, back to back, two of the best, if not the two best, running teams in the league. So I get it; those teams are going to hang around. This, those 
two rosters are talented all the way from top to bottom outside of the Ravens being banged up. But we had no reason to lose this game this week. Yeah, the last, no reason. The last eight victories the Chiefs have had in the regular season, they've they've won by an average of six points. Yeah, that's that's that, not enough. With Patrick Mahomes at the helm and Andy Reid calling, you just can't. That's not. That's that, not enough. Be, Andy Reid plays too conservative, man. Yeah, and, and that's actually where I want to transition over to the offensive side because we can we can look at the obviousness here, and it's so funny. I was watching a. Uh, uh, Good Morning Football, uh, the weekend edition. I love that crew. I love that. Show. I think it's a great show. Yeah. But as uh, Mike Pelissaro said something, that, or I'm sorry, Mike Garofolo. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Mike Garofolo uh, said something that was kind of funny uh, because he said that the, he was giving Wig Martindale, who is Wink Martindale, the, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, some credit because he said that he had this nice little wrinkle. But I thought it was funny because he said that, that the wrinkle slowed Patrick Mahomes down. I said, well, <laughs> Patrick completed almost 78% of his passes, had 343 yards, three touchdowns, a one pick with a 132 quarterback rating. If that's slowing down Patrick Mahomes, you're not slowing picks. down Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to defend Patrick. <laughs> but look, if that's what we're looking at now, then then the league's fucked because that, that was an insanely great game by Patrick. I thought Travis Kelsey was insanely great. Uh, Fastest yeah. to ever reach 8,000 yards by, I think, 22 Might games have had the for biggest- a Tight end. Might have had the best play of his career. Yeah, that, that, that was sixty-four yard bro. touchdown was a no, it was forty-six. My forty-six yard touchdown had the numbers mixed around. Yeah. The forty-six yard touchdown was just unfathomable. There were three defenders in front of him when he caught that ball with no defense, no blocking. Trey Smith got out of the way. Clyde was in front of him, and yeah. he just never they, looked they back. They did a statistical breakdown of that. He had three percent chance of scoring on that play. Three <laughs> yeah. percent, right. and he fucking scored. Byron Pringle obviously stepped up. I want to give him credit because I know a lot of fans out there, a lot of Chiefs fans, love the idea of Byron Pringle get more opportunities. I'm going to give Byron Pringle uh, some some flowers here today because he did have an awesome Absolutely. game big touchdown always big plays uh, uh d rob man i thought that was an incredible catch in the back of the end zone. you guys throw. know i'm not a big fan of d rob but i'm giving him his flowers that as well because that unreal. dude did he did his thing that was a great catch in the back of the end zone patrick stepped up to the pocket avoided pressure threw a perfect ball to d rob in coverage, coverage in by the way yeah he was yeah. in coverage it was, a, it was an absolute seed to d rob he put it perfectly yeah. uh mccall hardman had five receptions i thought he looked really solid in the moments for it was kind of weird because they used mccall i was expecting mccall to get some downfield shots yeah they actually used him as more of a possessions receiver in this game, which I thought was very interesting as a well. Little slot. Yeah, it was. It was kind of. Cool I like to see. it. I, yeah, because I think it shows some versatility for McCole mm. Hardman's game. Now he didn't have. A, he hasn't had a ton of usage so far. He only has eleven targets on the season, but he has nine catches so far, and he's caught every the dude. The, the two targets he didn't catch were passes he couldn't catch. So I'm not going to put it on McCole. It's about so getting think, him in space. Overall, man, the offensive line looked really good. I think Lucas Daniel looked a little goofy at times. I think Joe Tooney had a little bit of a struggle here and there, but overall they gave Patrick. Plenty of time in the pocket. He had. He, I think right now Patrick Mahomes is the eighth least pressured quarterback in the league right now. That's. I'll take that. If he's the eighth least pressured quarterback in the league, which of course Tom Brady's number two, and I think Baker Mayfield's number three, and number one is I think is a. Uh, God, I can't remember the first one. But the fact is, if you're in the top 10 and you have a quarterback as great as Patrick Mahomes, you're, you're going to score points. And the Chiefs methodically moved the ball downfield all night, man, despite the fact they couldn't get really much out of the run game at all. I think they had 60 rushing yards for the entire game. Yeah. And that's actually what I want to – I don't want to sound negative all, all day because I do want to give the Chiefs some credit here. They were moving the ball. They they were the, the Ravens had no shot of stopping the Chiefs. As much as we talked right. about the Chiefs defense not being able to stop the Ravens rush attack, it was equally as bad for the Ravens pass defense of stopping Patrick because they knew Clyde is struggling right now to find the holes. There's Darrell Williams has been non-existent. Jarek McKinnon's been more of a pass receipt, pass pass catcher than running back. So so the, the Ravens knew they can they can just play these cover two defenses, not have to blitz because they know how Patrick Mahomes destroys blitzes. He was still finding open men all night long. And I, I let's address the one bad throw from Patrick Mahomes. 
Look, the dude has thrown one interception in the month of September. You know how many pass attempts he's had in the month of September in his career? 451. That's insane. 451 pass attempts in his career in the month of September. He has one interception. And it's ironic that the one interception he throws in September is the one loss he has in the month of September as yeah. well. So it was a bad pass. We were, we were in, yeah, we were in field goal range. Could take the points. Yeah, he, he tried to force it. But see, I'm going to defend Patrick on this pass for one reason. No. I'm going to. Here's why. Here's why. <laughs> and you guys can disagree if you want to. But here's the thing. Yeah. It was a bad decision. It was a horrific throw. Yeah. But this is where it comes back to the whole 20, 2018 aspect, which is ironic because that was the season Patrick Holmes threw his career high in interceptions with 12. It's the fact that Patrick Mahomes, and this is kind of concerning, that we saw Patrick Mahomes feel in himself in 2018, I have to score every drive. Because if I don't score every single drive, we're not winning these games. And Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> see, like, <laughs> in his 11 losses in his career, yeah. the Chiefs defense gives up 36 points per game. 36 points per game. And the Chiefs offense averages 33 points per game. So Patrick Mahomes is out there bowling. So in that moment, I felt like Patrick was like, I have to score a touchdown on this drive. And that's why he tried to force the envelope. Not saying it was okay. Yeah. I'm saying that that was the mentality in that moment that Patrick felt that the need to get in the end zone again. Yeah. That's where I'm. That's why I was upset about that. I that, agree with you, but I think Pat's like that no matter what game situation, no matter what. I think Pat, Pat's out there in Madden mode. All day, I think that's how Pat plays. He's like, like, he, like Andy Reid said, he's a competitive guy. He's a competitive prick. Like this is who Pat is. I think Pat wants to score and do everything he can to make a highlight play, to make a scoring draw every single time. I, and that's what we love about Pat. You know, you live and die by that. But I mean, at the same time, we do a, a lot more living with that kind of play than right. we do dying. And that's what I was, that's what I'm trying to bring up is the fact that if you also look at the numbers in his entire career, the Chiefs yeah. have lost one single game. When they've kept their opponents under twenty points. Oh, and, so and Shaggy said that we were not in a field goal range with the interception. Oh well, well they we were, were driving. They were driving. Yeah, we were. Play. We were yeah. like within I think ten yards of being. Yeah, so, I, Shaggy says we were at the fifty. Okay, so right. they were. They would have been in field goal range if they would have kept driving the way that they but were. He, they were he within, tried. He tried to extend the play by throwing to the wrong guy. He could have yeah. hit McColl in the flat, and McColl could have got a 10, 15 yards probably in that play. Mm -hmm. if he just dumped it down. That's one thing that. We'll get to that. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't drop the ball down in the flat enough. And that's why I wanted to segue. I'm glad Shaggy brought that up because. Yeah. The most controversial play of the entire night, and I say controversial because I think there is legitimate controversy to it, and I'm going to break it down in just a second, is the fact that the Chiefs and the final drive, I think we all kind of knew that the Chiefs were going to give up that touchdown and trail with a minute and change left, if I'm not mistaken. I think there was maybe two minutes left in the, in the game when they had that final drive on offense. Everyone talks about how the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire play to run the ball on second and three was the right decision. I'm here to tell you right now, I think it was the wrong decision. Here's why. Pretty much everything I just said leading into that final drive where Patrick Mahomes was getting everything he wanted all night long in the air. The fact that the Chiefs had the Ravens on the ropes with no timeouts left. They were literally making them use all their timeouts. The first three plays of that drive, Patrick Mahomes was three for three for 43 yards. The Ravens were fucked. They were worn out. They could not stop Patrick to save their life. And it's second and three. You're almost, you're pretty much in field goal range at that point. But at that point, you run the ball if you're leading. If your quarterback's Alex Smith. Yes, that's the right decision to make because you need to be more conservative with the ball because your quarterback's not going to be able to get you that scoring drive more times than not. He's not going to get you in the end zone. So play conservative. Get your 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 field goal kicker within range, you know, 35, 40 yards within range. You know, take a final timeout with five seconds left and kick the field goal and hope you get the victory by two. They have Patrick Mahomes. 
And Patrick Mahomes was on fire in this game. He was having one of his better games of, 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 of late. And that's saying something because at the final stretch of last season, Patrick didn't play great football. I mean, the Falcons game, he struggled. There were a couple games where he struggled. The Dolphins gave me through three picks. Panthers. Panthers game, he struggled. He did. He ended up scoring three touchdowns. Yeah, but you're right. right. Yeah. Yeah. The, things weren't coming easy is what I'm saying because the offensive line was really starting to you know, cost him a little bit. You could tell he was struggling to keep stay on his feet, and he was dealing with turf toe uh, in the Browns game. Yeah. Now, my point, though, is, is that you saw Patrick Mahomes on fire, was absolutely streaking, pleading 77% of his passes, guys. In that game, Clyde Edwards was getting nothing on the ground. He was struggling. So there was no confidence to me on the run game anyway. And let's say Clyde doesn't fumble that ball. He got stopped at the line of scrimmage, which means it would have been third and three, third and four-ish, which means that what? Patrick was going to have to throw the ball anyway to keep the drive alive and get you closer to field goal range because at that point, it had been a 50-plus yard field goal for Harrison Butker, a yeah. guy who hadn't kicked a field goal all night. He kicked PATs, but he wasn't kicking field goals. They scored four touchdowns. Oh, that was their goal. offense. I'm, he probably would have nailed yeah, it. Yeah. My point, though, is you don't want to put him in that position when you don't need to. Oh, I agree. The Chiefs would have scored a touchdown on that drive if they had kept throwing the ball is what mm -hmm. I'm saying. I'm not playing revisionist history. I'm playing factual history because we saw Patrick all night long scoring touchdown drives. They were not kicking field goals. Even one thing, if the Chiefs were 3-for-3 three three or 4-for-4 three, four 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 on field goals all night, they weren't really getting into the end zone. I can see why they did that. Mm. You paid Patrick Mahomes $500 million. You traded up 17 spots to do what? Get a guy that's going to win you games. Go let Patrick Mahomes go win you games. I don't want the hand, I don't want the game to be decided by Clyde Edwards-Alaire. As much as I believe in him, if Patrick Mahomes is healthy and on that field, I want him to decide how these games go. I want him to decide whether we win this game or we lose this game. If Patrick Mahomes fumbles, if he throws a pick, I can live with that because he's the guy that is going to dictate whether the Chiefs win Super Bowls or not. So let him dictate road victories like this. I did not agree with the decision one bit. The fumble had nothing to do with it. It was the decision in itself. Let Patrick Mahomes, who was cooking, continue to cook. I did not like the decision at all, and I think the fumble had nothing to do with the decision being a bad decision. That's just the end result, and I don't agree with it whatsoever. To me, you took the hand, you took the ball out of the hands of the guy that kept you in the game the whole damn time. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with you, and I see what you're saying, but there's also it's kind of a double-edged sword here. It's not as cut and dry as you're making it seem because I think the traditional play is what we did do. I think I think amongst the league, anytime you're driving and you want to milk the clock, 32 out of 32 teams, 99.9% .9 of the time are running that ball there. And I get it. We, we did pay – Pat is the highest-paid quarterback in the league, and he's paid to be that guy, but we also drafted a running back in the first round to be that guy, and he fumbled the first time in his football career. It was just a freak thing. Hindsight is everything. I get it. The game's over. We, we, we know the end result. He fumbled the ball in the, the worst possible moment. But at the same time, I understand the play call. I wouldn't have ran it there. I'm with you on that. But I'm not mad that they did. You see what I'm saying? Like, if I'm playing Madden, I'm, 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 I'm moving around with Pat and I'm making a play down the field. I'm going for a touchdown instead of going up by two and still giving the ball, the ball back to Lamar with time. And our defense has been, not been able to stop them at all. So I get that. I wouldn't want to put the ball back in Lamar's hands either because he could have easily gone down there and got another field goal and put the game away too. But they you had, know the Chiefs run in the air. They no, run through the air. No, no, I, I get that. But I'm, I'm saying is it's not a bad, that's not a bad call to run the ball there. We drafted a first-round running back to be the guy. Who his, what, was, what was Clyde's greatest strength coming out of college? Passing. Catching the ball. Yeah, 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 of course. Of course, but I mean... He has three targets on the season. That, no, you will get there. You already know that's my biggest grief with this entire offense. But I don't, I'm don't. i not mad that we ran the ball there. 
If, if he ran the ball down, we milked the clock down, and we get the field goal, and we stopped him after they get the ball back, we're not even having this conversation. But the fact that he fumbled is the only reason we're having yeah. this conversation. Every, every, that scenario, though, tells me that you don't trust that Patrick Mahomes can get no, the job done no, if not, you're relying on your, on your running back and your field goal kicker to win the game when you don't have to. How's the that, Chiefs how, weren't in I don't that moment. I don't think it's that simple, dude. I don't, I don't think it's that simple. Because you took the game out of his hands. So you don't think anybody trusts Patrick Mahomes? I didn't say that. That's I'm saying, in, that, I'm saying yeah. in this moment, you have to. it has to be consistent. You have to trust no, him. No, it doesn't. Because when you're consistent, then you become predictable, Lance. No. You can't. Yeah, it okay, is. Okay, were the Chiefs not predictable on their offensive tackle that week, that night? What do you mean? Were they not? Were they not predictable? Did we not know that no, the Chiefs the, were going to throw the ball all we night? We spread the ball out everywhere. What do you mean? That's not predictable. They threw the ball 31 we had times. Five in this different people catch the ball. I'm just saying though that we knew that the Chiefs. Every single week, you know what the Chiefs are going to do, especially with Clyde struggling the of way course, he has so and you far. can't really stop. You're going to throw the ball. Yeah. Dude, look, this, I, I want to make sure that what you're hearing what I'm saying. Yeah. I agree with you. I yeah. wanted, I would rather throw the ball. That's my personal decision. But I can't be mad that we ran the ball when we're trying to milk the clock and take the game away. I don't like the conservative side of it. I think especially against the Ravens, we need to go out there and get a touchdown. There was like, That's well, me, but I'm not mad at any reefer yeah, running the ball. Say, there's like what, uh, just a little bit over a minute left, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, yeah. when, when the fumble happened. They would have had about a minute, minute left. Yeah. So if, let's say Clyde would have would have got down on third, uh, third and three, right? Yeah. Line of scrimmage. Uh, Patrick Mahomes throws first down. You're taking that clock all the way down to... Because I think they only had one timeout left. I we were going the for the field goal no matter what. Yeah. See, that's my point. We were, we're not going, going for a touchdown at that point. Yeah, we are going for the win and trying to, like, because Andy did not trust that defense at that point because he knew if he Neither gave did them, I. Because if he knew, like, all right, we'll score a touchdown yeah. here. We're going to give them a minute 30. I'm not trusting my defense to stop him with a minute 30 because the way they've been playing this whole game. Right. Yes. Therefore, we're going to try and melt the clock as much as we can. It's not Andy Reid's fault that, that Clyde Edwards Hiller fumbled the ball. That's I, I didn't that say is. that. I agree. I agree with what you're saying. What, so, you, what you're saying is 100 percent right, Eddie. What I'm saying though, guys, is you got to look at the play. Even if he didn't this fumble, is, this is yeah. He still got stopped at the no, line of scrimmage, which means is, Patrick would have had to throw the ball anyway. This is kind of so like, let him throw. This is kind of like you defending Patrick Mahomes on that interception, that horrible interception. That's if he if he throws an incompletion. What happens? The, the clock stops. Okay, and he could, he could have very well thrown an interception or an incompletion. The point remains, though, guys, is that I feel more confident that Patrick's not going to throw an incompletion that. than Clyde getting stopped or turning the ball over. I in agree that with moment. that. No, but I we also it. drafted a running back in the first round, man, to do this to be that guy. And was and he, he doing it? No, but that's what I'm saying. But I mean, but, the, the, it's, it's that's situational football. Okay, it, but I'm situ- saying, like I said, every single team, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, is going to run the right, ball. Right, but there you, guys, in that you guys, you guys know, we're on their side of the ninety nine percent of the teams don't have Patrick Mahomes. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys is that there is exceptions to that rule, and he is that exception. I would, I'm telling you guys just my viewpoint. What I would have preferred the Chiefs to do, and this is all clearly hindsight. Mm-hmm. My point though is, is I would love to see because you just got to talk about not stepping on the throats of teams, right? right. Yeah. How do you step that's on the why, throat of a team? You go and score the fucking touchdown. That's what I'm you telling you. You don't sit here and try to drain the that's clock. That's my perspective too. You're right. Methodically, that is right. You know, fundamentals. You say your defense sucks all night, but you're going to tell me right now, guys, you don't think that Patrick Mahomes could have drained that clock with throwing those check down screen passes. My opinion is your opinion. I I, I mirror your opinion, but what I'm saying is the same time, it's not as cut and dry as saying there's a right and there's a wrong here. A free play happened. We lost the game because of a fumble. We should have won the game. Clyde shouldn't have fumbled. That's his first fumble in his entire football career. It's a freak thing. I expect him to bounce back, especially this week, but I'm not going to be upset. My personality, like I said, if I'm playing Madden or something, I'm going for the touchdown. I got Patrick fucking Mahomes. I'm not playing any games. I'm putting these Ravens out. I want to embarrass him. The Lamar just got done doing a fucking flip into his end zone. 
They just celebrated like it was a Super Bowl. I'm going to take this game away from them via touchdown, not settling for a field goal and giving the ball back to Lamar and trusting our defense. Well, think about that. Think about I'm this. with you on that, think but about I'm this. not mad that they ran it either. Think about this. Just think about this scenario, okay? Because there's a minute 30 left when Clyde fumbled. Mm. Let's, say, let's say the Chiefs just are throwing the ball, right? And there's 46 seconds left in the game or 40 seconds left in the game. The Chiefs just scored a touchdown. It's 42 to 36, yeah. right? Okay. 42 to 36, which means the Ravens have to score a touchdown. Let's say Harrison Butker, he usually pins it in the back of the end zone. They're at the 25. They have zero timeouts with 40 seconds to go. You honestly believe the Ravens are scoring a touchdown on that drive? The way our defense was playing, I, I can see that. They have what, 75 yards to go with no timeouts left that's 40 why, seconds dude, to go. That, and their strength is running the ball. That's why I have a problem with us playing for a field goal because they have the best. The Ravens have the best kicker in the league who can hit them from midfield. And if we give them the ball back with a minute left just to get to a little mm -hmm. over midfield... He's going to hit see, that field goal. But you guys notice I was being very conservative with the time clock because I gave them 40 seconds. Patrick Mahomes could have juiced off 60 seconds with no problem right. and still scored a touchdown, which means they would have had less than 40 seconds with no timeouts. The Chiefs win that game right. is what I'm saying. You kick a field goal, yeah. yeah, you probably win the game too. But in that scenario, you're asking Harrison Butker, who has not kicked a field goal all night, to kick a 50-plus yard field goal on the road with a raucous crowd with the pressure on him. But, He'll probably still heal it, but I trust Patrick Mahomes getting a touchdown more than Harrison Butker. This is why we got to be critical from the very beginning of the game to the end, all the way through, including Patrick Mahomes, because yeah. we wouldn't be in that. The game would have been a would have been a wrap if Pat didn't throw that pick. Yes. That's what led to that, that scenario even happening, dude. The game would have been over if Pat didn't throw that pick. We got to take responsibility Pat, all the way Pat. around. Granted, that's his first interception in, in, in September. September, yeah. I get it. Came in a, probably the worst time possible because we would have won that game. We were getting into field goal range. Even if we kicked the field goal there and the Ravens scored, it wouldn't have mattered. We would have still had the lead because we would have been up double digits. So I just, that scenario wouldn't, like you said, it's hindsight, yes, but we got to take everything quarter by quarter yes. and criticize everyone equally. Yes. And Pat obviously took responsibility for that pick. That pick was a bad timing pick, man. And we wouldn't have had crucial. to struggle. Yeah, we wouldn't it was have. Crucial. To... Like Shaggy, Shaggy said, it was, it was in the 50-yard line. It just sucks, man. And we're not used to losing. As Chiefs fans, we're not used to losing. We're used right. to things breaking our way and Pat figuring things out or our defense making a timely play. And it didn't happen this time. And I believe if we would have taken that sack, uh, it would have been fourth down, I think. Okay, take the sack. Pin them back in their field. Pin them back in the beyond the twenty yard line. Pin them back. Yeah. Don't give them the ball at the fifty. My opinion. Well, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that, guys. I mean, you you know that I said that there was a horrible throw. I'm not trying to rehash on the on the bad interception. What I'm saying is on the final drive, Patrick Mahomes was on fire. Yeah. They moved the ball forty yeah. plus yards on three plays. Yeah. No, no, no. You're going to tell me that would have stopped? No, I'm not saying that it was a – but I'm with uh, I'm The with momentum Trevor. was there for the Chiefs, No, though. I get it, but I, I'm there with Trevor, though. You're you're trying to not give them time, uh, the Ravens, to to come back and score anything. Okay, but you, don't, but you guys don't think the Ravens knew the Chiefs were going to throw the ball earlier on that drive? You don't think they knew that? Obviously, they, and they knew we were still running because they, yeah, they stuffed the run. They I'm were just getting saying. 15 yards of play. 15 yards of play on the first three plays, and the Ravens knew they were going to throw the ball. Well, Pat's off Good stop from them. the previous possession. Pat's coming off of a pick, too. So, I mean, you got to. Was it the previous? Oh, it was the. It was, it was, the, it was, the, it was, it was like the quarter, I thought. Wasn't it like the third quarter? No. No, I think that's when they took the lead, right? It was right I don't at, remember that one. I, I I know he threw the pick in the second it was, half. It was either was possession it? or two possessions before remember, that possession. But... Either way. This isn't. We're playing. We're playing Monday. Because, Monday morning quarterback yeah, here, man. They like scored seven out of that pick. I believe they scored uh, touchdown. When after did they that not pick. score seven? That's what I'm saying. Like so. I, so it sucks, man. It's I, just a sucky way to lose. And Clyde is in the dumps right now, and yeah. I get it. As but, much as as much as we we trying to bash Andy Reid and Clyde for that inter, for the for that fumble, 
and for that running play. I think this this game fell on the defense. This is the, the defense result at the yeah. end of the game. Oh, yeah. The Chiefs scored 35 yeah. points. They, you should win it just, games it like It just that sucks the, the fact that we lost it. That Lamar finally got his. And give all credit to Lamar. He balled out. He did his thing. Yeah, he he, he finally out. got his W, and they did celebrate. I thought they were going to do a, a tour around the stadium, too, like the Raiders did. And, you know, this is, and that's, when, no, that's when you know you're a great team is when teams celebrate like that. Him and Sammy Watkins, you know, jumping, skipping, arm in arm after the game was over like they just won the Super Bowl. Well, that's also I was get, embarrassed for them. That's, that's the how they reacted. Let's also give credit here, though, because they also they didn't just beat the Chiefs, who were their arch nemesis. They beat them with a depleted roster, so that probably yeah. felt really good to get. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, yeah they, they're like, dude, we were not supposed to win this game. We were, they were th- what four point dogs at oh, yeah. home. Fucking the Chiefs had no, the yeah. Chiefs, the Chiefs had no reason to lose that, that game, man. Like yeah. we had a pick six. Travis Kelsey had one of the biggest, best plays of his career. Demarcus Robinson scored. Like all these things happen in the Chiefs. Pringle still lost. Pringle like, looked great out there. Yep. Yeah, man. Gonna He's gonna get more play. We haven't even talked about Pringle, but Pringle he balled out. And that I, game. I do want to address that whole thing really quick about the whole wide receiver two thing, because I'm seeing people out there. Trevor and I talked about Josh Gordon yesterday, and I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans out there saying, "Oh, let's bring in Josh Gordon." I just want to say this really quick, and then we're gonna move on. We're still waiting to hear from our guy Kyle Henning uh, from the Kingdom Says podcast, but um, I'm, I'm hearing people talk about you know the Chiefs need a wide receiver too. I'm here to let you guys know that there's there, there is no need. Would it be nice? Yes. The Chiefs, if they would have added Juju Smith Schuster, that would have been awesome in this offseason. Uh, if McCole Hardman was a little bit more uh, developed as a receiver to this point, yes, that'd be awesome. Um, they don't need a wide receiver, too. First of all, we've already broke this down. The Chiefs have two all-pro receiving options yeah. on their team. How many teams in the NFL have that? Not many. Maybe a handful. Okay, so that's first off. So you're already spoiled with riches as it is, not to even mention your quarterback and in, in your head coach and Andy Reid. Second of all, Patrick Mahomes right now as it currently stands, and again, we're only two weeks into the season, so I'm not trying to put the cart in front of the horse, but I think we all expect Patrick Mahomes to have a, a, a gigantic season regardless. Yeah. Right now as it currently stands, Patrick Mahomes is set to break records from completion percentage, yardage, and quarterback rating. That's without a wide receiver too, guys. So how important is it really to have a wide receiver two? And second of all, third of all, I don't think that not having a wide receiver two has cost the Chiefs at all this season. They're averaging over 32 points a game. I'm sorry, no, 34 points a game right now. They're averaging 34 points a game against a very a very tough Browns defense and a very respectable Ravens defense. They're averaging 34 points a game. So let's let's not sit here and get ridiculous. And when it comes to Josh Gordon, look, guys. I'm going to be real with you. I think he's on, on the all-finesse team. I think Josh Gordon is the Peyton Hillis of wide receivers, <laughs> where he had this humongous season one time, and then everyone just buys this hype for a decade. Guys, Josh Gordon hasn't been good at football since 2013. He's played 34 games since 2015, and he's done nothing since. Since 2013, he has done nothing. He hasn't even had the same amount of yards since 2014 that he had in the season of 2013. So... He's a 30-year-old wide receiver who's had nothing but issues off the field. I'm rooting for him as a man. I am rooting for him as an athlete. I would love to see his conti- his career continue. But when it comes to the Chiefs, Josh, Nor- Josh Gordon brings nothing to this team that they don't already have. Yes, he's big. Yes, he's physical. Guys, so was Sammy Watkins. He missed 15 games as a Chief. And he's a much better player at this point than Josh Gordon is. So I don't want to hear that the Chiefs need to go get Josh Gordon. Here's the thing. If the Chiefs are really thinking about adding a free agent, how about we get a free agent that's actually going to pay dividends, that's actually going to help the team? Because you put Josh Gordon on this roster, I had a guy on Twitter tell me, well, he'll probably make the practice squad. Then what's the point of bringing him on the roster? And bring bringing Fountain. Yeah, what's the point of bringing Josh Gordon if he's going to be a practice squad player? He's not going to be a wide receiver two here. You right. can drag me if this video comes out six, seven weeks later and Josh Gordon's on the team scoring three touchdowns a game. 
But that's not going to happen. Let's live in reality here, guys. It is not 2013. It's 2021. It is not 2013 of Josh Gordon of the old where he had 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns. Those days are gone. You want to you go get a wide receiver? How about this guy for a change? I heard some things out of New York out of New York this this week about the New York Jets wide receiver they just drafted in the second round of the year ago, Denzel Mims. Mm. How about him? Twenty three year old wide receiver who right now the Jets and him are not seeing eye to eye. He's on the block. He was inactive last week. They're saying it's an injury. They're saying he may not play this week because uh, was it uh, uh, Jamison Crowder's in his way? Jamison Crowder, who's like a 31, 32 year old wide receiver who's been very average. Good slot receiver. The point is, though, you drafted Denzel Mims in the second round and it hasn't worked this point. If the Chiefs really want to go out there and get another wide receiver, go to get a young guy like that who's motivated and super talented like Denzel Mims. Go yeah. trade for him. That's my suggestion. If you really are, if wide receiver is still this serene obsession with Chiefs fans and the Chiefs as a whole, go and get a guy that's actually going to make a difference. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I, I, I like the value of a Josh Gordon. I think it, like I like I told you over text in the in the group chat. Like I I, I see him as all upside, no downside. It's it, he's he's for free pretty much out there, just hanging out there, and he and he's had he had one of the best single season uh, statistically had one of the best single season you can have as a receiver in NFL history in 2013. It was incredible. I like who he is. He's never, he hasn't been on the field. You're right, but it hasn't been due to injuries. It's been due to, you know, issues with, you know, perf- uh, and the Jets um, suck. Yeah. Well, I'm, that also doesn't help. Well, I'm saying like every, everywhere he's been like when he, even when Seattle signed up, I think it was the last year, the year before last year, mm-hmm. Seattle brought him in. I like that move for them too. He's got a lot of upside and we haven't really been able to see him be on the field either way. Like whoever grabs him, it's not. It's not like he's going to be some game changer guy. I just like having depth at the wide receiver position and having a guy that has that much upside in Josh Gordon who could be something. You know, I've always been a Josh Gordon fan, so I've always rooted for him on and off the field with the off field issues and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, it's not. It's not like a make or break thing. I, th- I think the Chiefs need to go out for Jamie Collins though. That's one. That'd thing be I nice. Would I would, I he's on the block right now. So. That, would, that would help the defense a great deal. Yeah, yeah. So while we still wait for our guy Kyle Henning uh, from the Kingdom Says podcast, we're actually going to go to the Eddie Hour now. I cannot wait <laughs> to hear some provocative questions from our guy, Mister Yo Yo Yo. What is in the Eddie Hour this week, my man? I would say provocative. Bullshit. <laughs> uh, so we got the Gi- uh, we got the Giants reaching a hundred, a um, hundred games, uh, winning a hundred games this season. And I believe they already clinched the division. I think they're already out. out um, uh, I did the the Dodgers or whatever. Now, are the Giants the team to dethrone the Dodgers this season? I still say no. Baseball is a very unique sport because you have these teams with these incredible records, and then you see matchups in the playoffs where there's a series. And you see the difference in how those teams play regardless of record. You can throw this out. been several teams throughout history in baseball Wildcard teams win the World Series. I until I see the Dodgers lose a series, I'm still saying they're going to represent the NL at this point. I I picked the Braves because of losing Acuna. Acuna, I just don't think they're going to have enough firepower to beat a Dodgers team or even a Giants team. But if in fact it does end up becoming Dodgers and Giants, let's say in the NLCS, I'm picking the Dodgers because I just believe in their talent more, and they've already done this. There's a certain level of confidence there, and I don't think that the, the Giants possess some sort of power over the Dodgers. I think in a series, I'd pick the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm not. I, you already know my pick. It's the Dodgers. I don't see. I don't see anybody to throw them in this, especially this year. I just. I think the Dodgers are too good, man. I think they're too stacked. And I, all credit to the Giants. They've they they've had a great season. I just. I think the Dodgers are just too good, in my opinion. And then talk about a hot hot team. Last year, uh, last year, last week, I believe I asked you guys, or a couple of weeks ago, I asked you guys, what what team do you think was uh, going in hot into the playoffs? 
Well, the St. Louis Cardinals have won 14 straight as of last uh, as of last night, and they are close to clinching that second wild card spot in the uh, in the NL. Is this a team to watch out for uh, coming in out uh, coming into the playoffs? If they make the playoffs, I think they're five games ahead from from the the, the team that's uh, after them. Uh, do Do you think that's a a concern for other teams knowing that they're coming in with this hot streak with this hot bat into the playoffs? Yes. Absolutely. And the reason why is because we've also seen this a hundred times in, in, in baseball where teams get hot at the end and they never look back. How about the 2014 Royals? 2014 Royals, they were not good from the majority of that season. And then they go out there and they get hot. Mike Moustakis and Eric Hosmer and Low Kane, they all started stroking the ball, dude. There was no stopping. I mean, I remember in the playoffs, I mean, there was no stopping them from hitting home runs. That, that team was on an absolute tear. And what was funny is if I recall, they were last in the MLB in home runs that season. And they got hot at the end, and then no one could stop them, not to mention their pitching was just unbelievable. And you see teams like that take, yeah, that, that shit takes shape quite often. So, yeah, I think the Cardinals need to be taken seriously. Yeah, and baseball more than any other sport, momentum is king, especially going into the postseason. If you make a run into the postseason, we've seen no-name teams make runs in the postseason in the MLB. That's one of the beautiful things about baseball is it, it's not always about who, who has the most talented roster. We've seen the t- most talented rosters get taken down by teams that were, you know, underdogs. And that's why it's a good argument for, you know, who's, who could take down, possibly take down the Dodgers. Could there be an upset? Baseball is one of those games that, man, it does not matter what series you're in. Any team can beat any team at any time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 14 straight games is, is a huge momentum. That's, that's not something that's easy to do, especially in baseball with so much nuance in the sport. Anything, you know, so much going on in the sport. So many different things, you know, ways to lose, ways to win. Um, yeah, man, 14 games is definitely a real momentum, and it's uh, if they can ride that, that's they're absolutely a dangerous team heading into the postseason. All right. Stephen A. Smith, obviously you guys know Stephen A. Smith pretty well. Yeah, he, good friend. Yeah, friend he, said, he said that if the Nets wanted to, uh, I believe he said three-beat, uh, they should trade uh, Kyrie Irving for uh, Ben Simmons. Now, do you agree with that? That would that would help the Nets significantly, yep. and that's and what's funny is that if I had to choose between both players, just like taking the the person out of it and just saying, hey, the player to player, I would rather have Kyrie Irving on my team because he's a better, much better scorer, for much, today's be- game, yeah. much better ball handler. Defensively, he's horrible, but Ben Simmons, that's where he's his strength is. When you're looking at the Nets, they have two of the five best scorers in the NBA. So you don't need Kyrie Irving. He kind of washes out in the mix. You need a guy who can defend at the perimeter that takes the pressure off KD because we know James Harden ain't guarding for shit. And you have a guy that can go out there and rebound, facilitate, all those things that that would play to the strengths of Kevin Durant and and, uh, James Harden more so than Kyrie Irving's does. Because like I said, Kyrie's more of a stop player. He isn't a distributor really. He can pass, but he's not much of a distributor. He's more of a scoring first player. he's a shoot first guy. He plays a lot like Allen Iverson, quite frankly. And he's built just like Allen Iverson was. So you remove that and add a 6'10" defender that is an elite defender and an elite passer yeah i think that would definitely help but here's my thing do the sixers really take that on because as much as they have problems with ben simmons you would think they're gonna be three times as many problems with kyrie because then you got a disgruntled kyrie that doesn't want to play there because he wanted to play at brooklyn but you know how this goes with kyrie irving everywhere he goes he's a toxic trait he always he always ruffles feathers you think him and joel Embiid are gonna get along for longer than they want to ship ben simmons out west they don't want to keep him and that was the other part is that you want to keep him in conference not only that in the same division no i don't see that happening so it would definitely help the nets i would probably make them the favorites to be 
honest with you, if they're not already. But yeah, that's I don't see the Sixers signing off on that one. Yeah, it, it absolutely would be a better um, fit for as far as winning games. It brings a whole new dynamic to that team because you not only get maybe the best perimeter defender in basketball, you also get perhaps the best facilitator in basketball as well. Up the, right up there with LeBron. Uh, and, and you know other other the best passers in the league. I think Ben Simmons is right there with the best of them. Um, is he a liability offensively sometimes at shooting? Of course. But you have James Harden and Kevin Durant, so he he would definitely bring a new dynamic. And he's also a physically demanding or physically um, uh, astute guy too. He's also a big dude. He's six foot nine. You know, so he's not some small dude. He's a, a huge guy that can facilitate. He's like a LeBron light in a, in a sense. Uh, facilitation-wise and ability to get to the rack because he's still very great at getting to the rack offensively. So that would bring a whole new dynamic. And to me, uh, that would make them the, the outright favor for me, uh, at least coming out of the East, because that would be... Because Kyrie is Kyrie is great, but Ben Simmons would bring a, a new dynamic to that team that they were missing. And they, they, quite frankly, they are missing. Um, and I don't know. I think Ky- Kyrie's also getting really annoyed with the uh, the trade talking that's been going around with him too. And I don't think that's helping the morale that 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 locker room, to be honest. But... I don't see Ben Simmons going there. I don't think that ha- I don't see that happening. I don't see Philly going through with that, regardless of how who has the leverage here in this situation. But if they're going to ship him off, they're going to ship him off out west or at least outside of the division. All right, Lance, you said that Sam Darnold with the Browns would be a better team. Why is that? And do you agree? I'll let, I'll let Trevor defend that take real quick. If he disagrees with me. I, I actually know. Let me let me explain why. Uh, I, I made a, a pretty and I shouldn't have done that, but I made a pretty vague statement on Twitter that I do believe the Browns would be a better team with Sam Darnold than Baker Mayfield because just looking on Sam Darnold's side of this, and this is no knock on Baker Mayfield. I, I like Baker Mayfield. I think he's a good quarterback. Sam Darnold has more to his game, though, than Baker Mayfield does. He's an extremely mobile quarterback. He's actually bigger than Baker by a couple of inches, and he's actually bigger like, size-wise than he was extremely Baker. mobile? He's an extremely mobile quarterback. Uh, it's, extremely extreme mobile. is an extreme word, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had, what, five rushing touchdowns last season. He already has two this season. So I think that Sam Darnold is showing his athleticism is really he's, starting to peak. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Sam Darnold finally given an opportunity to play with a decent roster, and look how good he looks. He's been unbelievable this season so far, just by, based on standards of, that have been put on him as a quarterback. The greatest thing that ever happened to Sam Darnold wasn't getting drafted third overall to the Jets four, three, four years ago. It was getting traded to the Panthers. That was the greatest thing that could happen because now he's paired up with Matt Rule, and this team looks promising. Trevor was very big on this team starting the season. I was too, but I thought they were going to lose a lot of blunders, and I still think they will. But Sam Darnold uh, behind that Browns offensive line with those two stable running backs like he has, with the talent they have on both sides of the ball with Kevin Stefanski, who I think right now is still a a little bit better coach than Matt Rule, but I think Matt Rule's on the rise. I think that Browns team, with the with everything considered to the... I think Sam Darnold has more to his game. He's actually younger than Baker Mayfield. I think he would actually... I think he would give them a better overall quarterback than what Baker is. Now, again, that's not a knock on Baker. Sam Darnold, to me, is just a better quarterback. So you think Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold is a better quarterback I than do. Baker? I do. Man. I do. <laughs> I think this season's already showing it. And I'm a big Sam Darnold fan. Yeah. I think he's a better overall quarterback. And again, Baker's a good quarterback. I just think Sam's just slightly, his athleticism gives him a slight edge. And he, to me, he has a better arm. I think he has a oh, damn yeah. good he's arm. Got, he's got a bigger arm. So no he's doubt. a better athlete with a better arm, and he's playing just as good. But fits. With less around him. Quarterback who fits better in that scheme. I feel, I feel like Baker might be the better fit for that scheme. But at the same time, Sam Darnold might unlock things because we've seen the OBJ experiment has not worked. And that offense because of Baker, because there's no there's no connection, and Baker can't hit him in those deep shots. Sam Donald would be hitting OBJ on those deep shots, and they would unlock more of a depth to that offense uh, and open up the playbook a bit more. So I do agree there. I think the the offense would be more um, balanced 
not defending depending on the run as much, but when you have that running tandem, it's it makes a whole lot of sense why you depend on that that running scheme. Oh man, that's uh, I think they're pretty equal as far as their their talents. I think Baker's still a really talented guy. I think people sleep on his ability still. Um, he but he is uh, more on the conservative side. But Baker's got levels to to his game that we haven't really been able to like explore and see much in the league because he's had three different offensive uh, coordinators, three different head coaches. Now that, uh, that that excuse is going out the window now. I get it, but he has we, we, now for we, third okay, but season. we okay, but we've seen St- the numbers he's been putting up with Stefanski. He's, he's putting putting up good numbers. He's what we saw that list before we started the show. He's what fourth in the, in the last uh, since twenty sixteen twenty seventeen. No, all time. The oh, most, no, the most first, yards first, through first, was it 18 first starts or whatever it is? Yeah. No, first 18, 19 starts. No, first 17 starts in yeah. a new career. He's fourth all He's time. He's fourth all time in most, most yards. yards. So Herbert's I mean, number and two that's what they run first, And that's what they run first offense. So I was, yeah. you know, Sam, I get it. Sam Darnold was stuck uh, at New York uh, uh, with Adam Gase. Adam Gase is just he. That's he, a double he, negative. He, he, yeah, yeah. He, he's cancer to everything he touches. So I get that. I do. I, I'm a big Sam Darnold fan, and I like what I've seen from him so far. He's already got three rushing touchdowns. I wouldn't say he's extremely mobile. He's 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 mobile when you need him in the red zone, but like from in, in the regular field, like in the middle of the field, he's not like some I mean, guy you got to worry about like toting the ball. He had he's, one of the most prolific plays in the NFL last season when he ran that 65 yard touchdown against. Yeah. I think it was against the Panthers, ironically, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I that was wrong. that was a strange game, and it was just kind of like a fuck it play, but. I do. He is mobile. I'm not saying he's not mobile, but he's not like a running quarterback. Taller, stronger, younger, more athletic. He would bring a new dynamic to that offense and open the playbook a little bit more. But they're two different type of quarterbacks. It's hard for me to say who's better because Baker, it's working right now. I think that that, that Browns team is going to be really good this year. I think they're going to win a lot of games. Um, Do I think they're going to be better with Sam Donald? I don't really know. If I'm starting a team, I'm picking Sam Donald, though. I will say. All right. On on – on face on the comments on Facebook, uh, Antonio Marquez said Sam is uh, benefiting from the Adam Gase curse. <laughs> it's he's true. A, he got out. Man. Yeah. I even saw a stat that I've Adam Gase, that. when he graduated college the next year, because he went to Marshall, I think yeah. the very next year they won the title. After Adam Gase graduated, they finally won their first it's title. Like high school, I think when he's <laughs> or was uh, in high school, I forget. Uh, yeah. he, uh, the year after he <laughs> left high school coaching, I don't know if it was coaching or whatever, they won the title. <laughs> And then they, everybody won the title. After yeah. after Look at that. Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, Ryan Once Tannehill. he got out of Miami, Miami. and like left LSU. Adam Gase. I think with LSU as well, the following year they won the national championship. I still think he's got Le- Le- Le'Veon Bell's soul in a capsule somewhere, though, because Le'Veon didn't <laughs> get out fast enough. The main thing in Denver is what gave Adam Gase yep. all this credit. Clout. People thought that had anything to do with Adam Gase. No, it's because it's Peyton fucking Manning, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like, give me a break. Right. You know what I mean? And then uh, good old Dougie, uh, he was like, I don't know, man. Sam's done good for three games. He might see some ghosts. <laughs> no, he's, he's out of the Patriots. He's division. gonna have, yeah. Sam's still gonna have those games. He he does he does throw turnovers or throw interceptions from time to time. But I think he's in a great spot with Matt Rule, man. I, that's why I love this. And that defense is looking good. I can't they wait. Shut, I can't shut wait. the Saints out. Dude. Yeah, they're they're giving up less than 200 total yards a game right now. Now their schedule's been pretty light, yeah, but yeah. still, they beat the um, Texans and the Jets. I, I did say that I can't wait until Matt Rule takes over for Andy Reid in 2028. I like him a lot. I would love him as the next quarterback or head coach of the Chiefs. I like his personality. I know that's far I like away. Yeah. But I'm telling you guys, I, if if currently I of all the coaches in the league, if I if I could choose one guy to replace Andy Reid, it'd be Matt Rule. But if he finds if, find, if he finds success and he makes this a, a consistent playoff team in, in Pantherville, the, those fans are not going to let him go. So yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Uh, next question. Uh, which one should I ask you first? I'll ask you. Let's <laughs> close your eyes, big one. So, two more questions. Uh, though it all, though it has only been two weeks of the NFL, 
are the Raiders becoming more of a threat to the Chiefs than people had imagined? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm going to say this first of all. Derek Carr is playing really good football. Derek Carr, I got, I'm going to give him all the respect in the world. I've actually been bigger on Derek Carr than a lot of people. I think like a lot of Chiefs fans think it's blasphemous to give a Raider quarterback credit. Derek Carr is a good He's quarterback. He's been really good, man. We have to give him credit. Derek Carr yeah. is a good quarterback. He always has been. There is context to the success of the Raiders to this point this season. Just like there was context to the success of the Raiders to this point of last season. Mm. Last season in Week 2, the, the Raiders beat a playoff team, a division winner in the Saints. Beat them. And then everyone started buying this hype of the Raiders, and what happened? They went six and eight for the remainder of the season. Well, and then it got cold. <laughs> exactly. Then it got the cold. Started to and drop. Then, and Derek had to play. Derek had to play some cold weird. weather. Look, guys. No. This happens a lot with the Raiders, man. Where they have these wins against teams that, like the Ravens game, they should have lost that game like five times, and the Ravens beat themselves. Okay. And then the last week, you saw the way the Steelers literally shit all over themselves. And let's let's say something. Derek Carr had a really good game against the Steelers. When T.J. Watt got hurt, before T.J. Watt got hurt, the Raiders had six points, and Derek Carr wasn't doing shit. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, T.J. Watt's said, out. Hold my beer. What do you know? Yeah. They started scoring points. It's almost like when you lose great players on the opposition, you start playing better. It's it's just a weird occurrence. I don't know. The Steel, the Raiders are not a good team. I'm going to say that right now. I will give Max Crosby credit because he's playing yeah. really good football. Well, I will give Derek Carr credit because they're playing good football. That is not a good roster, and their schedule is about to get really tough really fast. In about three weeks, when the Raiders are 2-3, and three, come holler at me because that's what's <laughs> going to happen. They're going to lose by double digits this week to the Miami Dolphins who have a backup quarterback. Mark my fucking Ooh, words. Watch out for it. I like Damn, that pick. 10 points. The Dolphins are winning the game by 10 points. Mark my words. Jacoby Brisket out there going to go out there and what are they, think about throw it. that meat not, all not over the place. Not to off on it, but what, what, what is the real drop-off from two Attack of Aloha to Jacoby Brissett. What is the real drop off? I, I would be banking on that that Miami defense to make some plays, but I'm telling they have some of the best but, secondary mean, players in the NFL. Yeah. So the question is about the Ravens, right? Not the Raiders. Or is it about the Raiders? Raiders. He oh, said Raiders. Raiders. Oh, okay, the Raiders. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, <laughs> we like like you said, we've all we've all seen this before. We've seen the Raiders have some hot starts. And then, and granted. Their defense looked really good against Lamar. Their defense was doing a lot more things against Lamar than we could. And that's that's what was the most infuriating part for me as a Chiefs fan. We just saw Max Crosby and the Raiders defense. And Gakwe gets banged up in that game too. He's out. Which I did not see that happening, but they did. Um, so I might have slept on this Raiders defense a little bit more. I still don't buy into the Raiders. I do respect Derek Carr as a quarterback, you know, for the first half of the season, always. But once you know, the temperatures start dropping, things get tight, expectations actually become real, he starts to crumble, and that always happens. And he's I think he's already a little bit banked up with that. He rolled his ankle pretty good last week. Um, but, man, I'll, I always will give credit where credit's due, even if it's my villain. Um, Derek Carr's looked good, and he's closed out the last two games with two big home run throws. And that's not easy to do. And he's always had a good deep ball. He's always been a very accurate quarterback. But, I mean, Darren Waller is real. Darren Waller is a, an absolute centerpiece of that offense. And he's, you know, they went in there and they took care of the Steelers without their starting running back in, in Jacobs. So that's an impressive win. No other way you, you look at it. Big Ben looked awful, though. And they lost T.J. Watt. Those two things definitely worked in their favor. Um, I still think the Raiders, the Raiders finished bottom in this division. I still think that the Broncos and the Chargers are better than them. And, of course, the Chiefs are the tops of this division. Um, enjoy that 2-0 mark while you're at it. But, no, they're not a, They're not really a threat. I would, I would say the Broncos and the Chargers are, are far more a threat than the Raiders before the Raiders are. Okay. The NFL has announced that as of 2021, there will be a super wild card weekend. 
meaning there will be a game played on Monday Night Football. Your thoughts? I don't like it. I mean, as a fan, I like it because it gives us more nights with football. But as a player, I'd be pissed off. I, I don't like it because in this scenario, you're setting some teams up for failure. You're, you're getting a team that plays on Monday night less than six full days to prepare for another playoff game. Now, again, as a fan, it's great because we get we get to watch more playoff games because sometimes our team's playing around the same time another team's playing. Or you could be at Arrowhead, and the next night you can watch the, the Raiders, let's say, if they made the playoffs in Las Vegas. Like You can see multiple games like that. I don't like the setup just simply because of the fact that it, it puts other teams in a serious disadvantage. Now, what puts teams at a serious disadvantage is only having one bye week or one team that gets a first-round bye, but that adds to the competition. So from a consumer standpoint, I see why the, the NFL is doing this, which is why they're doing it. Ultimately, it's all about the consumer. It's not about the players, which is why I crack up when the NFL talks about player safety and all this other shit because we know at the end of the day, it's not really about that. It's about adding product, adding product, product value from year to year, adding you know better quality games, and giving the, giving the fan bases more of what they want. So from a consumer standpoint, it makes sense. If I was a player, though, I would hate this. I would absolutely hate this. And I, I don't know how they snuck this one in. It's, it's almost, it is week three. And, oh, hey, by the way, guys, you're doing this now. It was weird. It was like, wouldn't you think this would be a part of, like, the CBA? You know, like, something they would talk about in the offseason. And we would sit here and pick this apart in, like, a, a you know, a May show. You know, something we'd be talking about in May or June. Not not during the season. It was very baffling to me. So, I personally, I don't like it too much. But as a consumer, I understand it. Yeah, I don't. It definitely got kind of created out of thin air. I don't really understand it. But I feel so, sort of the same way as the way I felt initially about them adding another week to the NFL season. You were on board with that, so I'm kind of surprised you're not on board with this. I just think it's a, more of a way to spread out the product um, and give you know more prime time, more more viewership, in, in, in totality more viewership, and also more viewership on specific games instead of multiple games going on around the same time in the same day. Uh, a Monday night playoff game, though, is, is kind of strange. Um, but at the same time... They're they're trying new things. I I'm always for like being progressive and trying new things to grow the brand. Um, you know the NFL is trying to go international too. You know eventually I think we're gonna have an international game or an international team. Um, so I I don't know. I'm not that mad at it. I don't really dislike it that much. But it's if it if it fails if it flops the viewer, viewerships are low on the Monday night game. It, it really depends on who's who's playing. Um, but playoff playoff games the NFL always get viewership regardless. So I think a Monday night game could work, but. I don't know. It's uh, it definitely kind of came out of nowhere. That's the only thing that kind of caught me off guard. But I'm interested to see how it works out. So yeah, that is it for me. All right, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do a little something a little interesting. We're gonna roll through the questions now. We're actually gonna move to the Monday mailbag, and then we're gonna give you guys our Chiefs and Chargers uh, uh, preview uh, in a few minutes. But we're gonna go with the mailbag first because our guy Eddie, he's always a busy guy. He's actually got himself a Saturday ahead of him, so we're gonna get some mailbag questions, and then we're gonna let our guy Mr. Yo 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 depart for the rest of the show. So Eddie, what is in the Monday mailbag this week? All right, man. First question comes from Donnie Couch. Uh, hey guys, hope you had a good week. Unfortunately, the allergies are kicking in for me. So this week has sucked. I bet that sucked for a yeah, lot of people. Same. Uh, Eat honey. Are you happy with how the Chiefs special teams has has played? Am I happy with it? 
I think it's been more of the same. I think Dave Tope is, as much as he drives me crazy half the time, I think that for the most part, he's one of the best special teams coaches in the league. There's a reason why the Chiefs have held him as long as they have. The Chiefs have never given up a single kick return touchdown in the not, what eight years he's been here. So overall, I think it's just been more of the same. It hasn't been anything too special, but nothing terrible. So I'm just going to say it's just been more of the same. Yeah, I agree. I think we did allow a kick return touchdown from the Ravens, didn't they? A couple years ago? I don't think Wasn't so. Wasn't it Duvernay had like a kick return touchdown? Maybe a punt return, but I don't think they've ever given it, a kickoff touchdown. I don't think they ever given a kickoff touchdown. Yeah, I don't have any I don't have any issues with that, man. I think I, I think we're in good shape with him. I have no no grievance at all. All right, next question comes from Donnie Couch. Should Jarek McKinnon and Michael Burton get more touches because they played well in limited snaps? Michael Burton, no. I am open to the idea of McKinnon getting more options, but here's the thing. I don't want to see McKinnon getting catches until Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gets more catches. I mean, this guy, his strength out of college was playing outside of the out in the flats, getting catches, getting receptions from Joe Burrow. Granted, they had offense that had an offense that was filled with littered with guys that got drafted. So I understand that, but this Chiefs offense is pretty damn talented too. So there should be no significant drop off. Clyde's got three targets with 29 yards. So even with the limited targets he's gotten, he's getting about 10 yards a clip. So a running back getting 10 yards per reception, getting you a first down every single catch, sign me up for that. So no offense to Jarek McKinnon. He was brought here to be a backup where Trevor's been hammering the point all morning. Clyde was here as a first round pick that Patrick Mahomes selected personally. Let's get him involved more, and then we can start seeing a trickle-down effect of Jarek McKinnon and Burton, Tim Burton's son, or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would like to see both those guys get more opportunities. I, I've, I've, since the beginning, I loved the signing, and I knew McKinnon was going to make this roster because I know his talent, and I've seen him, I've followed him for a while. Um, so I like it. I would always like to see him get more touches because he is electric. He's dynamic with in the passing game as well. I would like to see him and Clyde both getting work in the passing game, but for some reason, we hired a plumber and decided to have him do electric work. We we uh, we drafted Clyde to be something and we're not using him as that something it's really really frustrating and i i made the prediction when we started the season that clyde was going to lead the lead, all running backs and receiving yards because i had that expectation in my mind i thought we we're really going to do that and i think a lot of it depends on on pat too pat doesn't like to check the ball down a lot to running backs and that's fine but we got to start getting design plays to clyde clyde is very dynamic in space very good at making guys miss and can hit home runs at any time we just got to get him in space and we got to get better at running run blocking but yeah it starts with getting clyde in the passing game that's where he's the most deadly and that's where he's the most comfortable all right, uh, Donnie Couch. I know we like to focus on the negatives of the loss, but I was impressed with the O line, especially Orlando Brown. Do you guys agree? One hundred percent. I'm seeing actually, it's it's kind of kind of baffling, honestly. I'm seeing some people uh, saying negative things about Orlando Brown Jr. I, I didn't see a negative thing from him in that week two and week one. We talked about this already, guys. Week one, he went against Miles Garrett. Mm -hmm. His first game as a Chief, he went against arguably the best pass rusher in the entire NFL. A guy that is 100% without question making the Hall of Fame. So I don't understand this. This I think what it is is there's the, there are these impossible standards that people put on a on a player the Chiefs draft or trade for because I think there's also a built-in fear because Frank Clark and how this all panned out when you know you not only give up a first and a second round pick for Frank but then you go around and you give him a five year one hundred five million dollar deal and we know that more than likely the Chiefs are going to about about to pay Orlando Brown Jr. expensive amounts of money. I think there's just worry because he hasn't looked like uh, Joe Thomas. You know what I mean? That, that I think that's the concern here. But no. Orlando Brown Jr. has done fine. I have no negative things to say about anybody on this offensive line. Ironically, I think Trey Smith, Pancake Papa, baby, I think he's been the best offensive lineman so far this season. But as a whole, this team's only going to continue to gel. That nucleus is going to continue to gel. And I think they're going to be one of the best, the five best offensive lines in football this season's in. 
I, I think they've been good. I don't think they've been great by any means, but I think they've been good at pass protection, but our run blocking has been awful. Uh, Trey Smith was getting bullied all this. this la- last week, it was just absolutely – go watch the tape. I was watching again, and Trey Smith was getting bullied by that 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 Ravens defensive line on, on, on run blocking and a lot of pass blocking plays too. So I need to see more from him consistently. He looked good in week one. Uh, I like Trey Smith's talent, and his upsides – I mean, he's a young guy. He's going to grow. He's going to have to grow. He's got a lot to prove still, and he knows that. Um Creed Humphrey's been maybe, you know, the guy hasn't allowed anything past him. You know, he's been incredible. He's the anchor of that offensive line, and I've really liked what I've seen from him so far. Um, Orlando Brown is going to be great, guys. He's going to be great. We're going to sign him long-term. He's going to be here for a long time. He's going to be the guy that's going to be by Pat's side for some years. I truly, truly believe that. Um, But I do need to see more from the run blocking. Our run blocking's been bad, and there hasn't been – Clyde's been getting swarmed as soon as we – when everyone see – we we have the run – the run plays are just completely – everyone knows it's coming. And then once it happens, our, our run blocking is just not there. We got to get we got to get more aggressive up front. I was seeing way too much of our guys getting bullied in the in the running game uh, last week, so we got to get better at that. But the pass blocking has been great, and that's really the main one you need to worry about too is the pass blocking. So um, yeah, keep Pat protected. We'll be in good hands. All right, uh, Johnny Couch, what is going on with Juan Thornhill, and have you guys heard anything on the situation? Oh, we've heard plenty. We've heard Steve Spagnuolo just put his own foot in his mouth constantly because he doesn't even make sense without the things he's saying. Because one minute he's sitting here talking about he has to earn his way back into the defense and then sitting here saying defending Dan Sorensen for being horrific for the majority of the snaps he's played, which, by the way, Dan Sorensen is playing way too many snaps as it currently stands. Dan Sorensen's getting starter minutes, and he is not a starter. Do we like Dan Sorensen? Yes. He's been here for a long time. He's been here since Andy Reid's practically been here. And he's he's had moments of greatness. He's made big plays for the Chiefs in big games. I'm not sitting here criticizing Dan Sorensen. Juan Thornhill is a better football player than Dan Sorensen. He needs it. The Chiefs drafted Juan Thornhill in the second round. Mm-hmm. This was a guy that they thought was going to be a difference maker on this defense. Has he struggled? Yes. But how is he going to get any better when he's playing 11 snaps per game? You're not giving him opportunities. you got to give Juan Thornhill opportunities. And what Steve Spagnuolo is saying in these press conferences make no sense and, quite frankly, makes it even more confusing as to what they're doing or not doing, rather, with Juan Thornhill. They need to give him opportunities this week because that's bullshit. Yeah, I, I'm always one to kind of side with the coaches because I always feel like they know best and who am I to question them and their decisions. But at the same time, talent is talent. And, we and you need have eyeballs. Talent. Yeah, and we need the talent on the field. And Dan Sorensen, as many times as he's made good plays, big plays, and timely plays, a lot of in-between going on there. A lot of football being played in between those big plays, and he's missing way too many tackles. Matter of fact, leading the league or leading the – No, leading the league leading with nine missed tackles. And missed tackles, not only our team, but leading the league in missed tackles. It's just unacceptable, man. And and, and, and there's another guy that can make plays too, and that's Juan Thornhill. He can make plays as well. And Made he's, two he's, big plays in week one. He's far more athletic, and I think he's got a better nose for the football. Um, and, yeah, I just he just needs to be on the field more, and, and Spags knows that, and I expect that to change this weekend. Next question, Billy Hodge. Hey, guys, do you think that Spags should move Chris Jones back or leave him? I think you should leave him. I'm not giving up on Chris Jones as a defensive end. I think he played incredibly well in that second half against the Browns. You're going to face more teams that are pass first as the season progresses. So I think you're going to see Chris Jones getting in that backfield. Because what is Chris Jones known for, guys? What is he best at? Stopping the run? No. He's, he, gets, he gets after the quarterback. You give him an opportunity on the edge to get to the quarterback much more than he would be up front. So I'm okay with Chris Jones being there. Like I said earlier, if you have Chris Jones move back to defensive tackle or nose tackle or any of those middle spots, that means Jaron Reed and Derek Naughty are failures. I'm not willing to give them those 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 uh, those uh, uh, toe tags yet. I think that those guys still have an opportunity. I'm with Eddie. Uh, five, six, seven weeks in, then we can really determine how this defense is. Keep Chris Jones on the edge because I think that's where he's going to be most effective. Yeah, Chris Jones got himself in shape, dropped some weight to be to play the edge. He spent the whole offseason training as an edge player. 
Um, that's what he wants to be, and I expect him to be there for the rest of the year, unless it gets absolutely unacceptable. Um, it's one thing to be bad against the run up the middle as a nose tackle, but it's another extreme if you're that bad against the run on the edge because the big plays are when players bounce outside and they just turn it upfield. That's what you can't, you cannot allow that because you have linebackers that'll back you up if someone play, gets through the middle and they get past you in the middle. He's got to get better against the run on the edge. He's got to be able to set the edge and keep guys contained and make tackles on the edge. He's not doing that right now. And he's, he's getting absolutely destroyed by the Ravens and by guys off the streets and rookies. Um, that can happen. He's got to get better at that. He, he's allowing chunk plays around the edge, getting beat, not knowing, being very indecisive. He's got to make a decision, whether it's the right one or the wrong one. Make a goddamn decision and tackle somebody, hit somebody. Don't just stand there waiting for the play to get to you. He's got to be the aggressor. I want to see more of that, and I expect him to be more aggressive this week. Chris Jones is an all-time talent in my mind. The guy's incredible. I expect him to get better as the year goes on and get more comfortable and uh, acclimated to the, the position. All right. Next question comes from Shaggy Shane. Uh, Lance, you and I had our concerns about the Chiefs defense three years ago, and we made that and we made that clear on my show that season. The excitement and winning of Patrick Mahomes in 2018 covered up the shortcomings of the defense too many that season uh, at Arrowhead until Bob Sutton's defense was exposed in front of the world in the AFC Championship game. The bar has been raised in 2021. Chiefs fans expect better defensive play. Would you be surprised if a, uh, if a sellout crowd at Arrowhead booed mightily if our defense continues to suck tomorrow against the Chargers? No, I wouldn't be surprised. And honestly, I think the fans should boo if that's what happens. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm missing it here, but aren't, aren't our standards different now than it was three four years ago? Since Patrick Mahomes took over, our, our standards here change in Kansas City. It's Super Bowl or bust. Yep. That is how it's going to be from here on out. So if they're not playing like a Super Bowl team, boo them. I, I'm not a I'm not a person that sits here and says that you know oh you should disrespect players and coaches. I'm not saying disrespect, but let them know that this isn't okay. Look, guys, when did all of this? When did the changing changing of the guard officially happen here in Kansas City with the Chiefs? When Arrowhead got blacked out, when they started flying the banners over, when they started you know saying enough is enough, fire Pioli, get rid of this bullshit. Because for all these years we were okay with mediocrity and conservativeism. We were okay with them just being good enough but never being great. We were finally sick of it when they finally showed their ass and went two and fourteen. Then they went and got Andy Reid, and everything changed from that point on. The Chiefs have not had a season worse than nine and seven since then, and have been to the playoffs seven of the eight seasons Andy Reid's been the head coach, and have been to back-to-back Super Bowls. Mm. Things have changed here, so boo them. Tell them that this is not enough. I'm okay with it because I'm going to be booing them if they don't play better. I have confidence they will, but if they don't and things continue to go down this trajectory similar to 2018, it's unacceptable. Yeah, it's simple. Um, we hear it almost every single time after a home game, especially after a home victory. Uh, what do the coaches say? What do the players say? What does Pat say? What do all the defensive players say when they have Arrowhead on their side? When it's getting loud, they, they, they gave us a lot of kudos because we contributed to the opposing offenses screwing up or not being able to hear things and you know delay games and all this, so on, so on, so on. We contribute as fans when we're winning, and we, we let our voices be heard in that loudest stadium in the NFL, loudest, loudest outside stadium in the world. We let it be known when we're, when we're, when we're winning, and we contribute as fans. Well, on the flip side, we can also contribute when you guys are playing like shit. Allow us to, to boo as well when you guys aren't performing up to par. So it's it's a two-sided thing, man. When we're winning, we are all, all we're always there. Us as fans, we're completely invested in this team. We give you guys our time, our money, and attention, everything. So you know, we got we got to get some 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 feedback from that investment, that ROI, right? So we got to see our our def, our defense play up to par, and if they're not, we got to let our voices be heard in the good and the bad times. 
right. Uh, last question comes from Shaggy Shane. Um, do you agree with Spag's treatment to Juan Thornhill? It is very similar to how former Chiefs head coach Todd Haley treated uh, wide receiver Dwayne Bowe and linebacker Derek Johnson. Both both and uh, both Bowe and DJ were number one draft picks, and Todd Haley immediately buried them on the depth chart upon his arrival in t- 2009. Do you think this similar treatment to Thornhill will work? And then he put a picture of Warren Thornhill's tweet that said, taking all this shit personal. Uh, I think it's similar. The only difference that I would say is the fact that Juan Thornhill's situation, I think, is predicated on an injury, whereas Derek Johnson and Dwayne Bowe just simply had a shitty relationship with Todd Haley. I don't believe that Juan Thornhill has a bad relationship with his coach. I don't think it's toxic and volatile like it was 15, 16 years ago when Todd Haley's dumbass was here. I just think that right now, as it currently stands, they're just not on the same page, and they need to get on the same page. And until I know that it's because of something Juan Thornhill is or isn't doing correctly, I'm going to continue to put the responsibility and the onus on one Steve Spagnuolo because, again, this is year three. And if he's not doing what he needs to be doing as a defensive coordinator and maximizing and getting as much out of his players as possible, that's on him as a coach. So Juan Thornhill, he owns responsibility. But what I've seen from Juan Thornhill this season hasn't been all pro style, but it hasn't been a net negative. Mm -hmm. I think he needs his opportunities. I don't know what is going on. I can't sit here and tell you guys what it is. I can only theorize. And what I'm theorizing on is that Steve Spagnuolo is not doing his job correctly and he needs to get better. Yeah, Steve Spagnuolo is is simple. He has has blind trust in and Dan Sorensen right now. And there's a little bit of favoritism out there right now, too, I believe. And uh, Juan Thornhill is still an unproven commodity. He's amongst the coaches. I think he's probably an unproven commodity. And he's still had a, coming off a health issue. I think he's fine at this point now. But I just think there's a blind trust going on with Dan Sorensen. And there's some favoritism going on. And I think as the season goes on, we'll see. I think the 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 overwhelming talent of Juan Thornhill compared to Dan Sorensen will play out. And I think Juan Thornhill will be that guy moving forward. That's it. Awesome. Well, we appreciate all you guys in the Monday Mailbag each and every week. I post that on our Facebook page. You can join us there on the Facebook group. It's just the Spoken. Just hit the invite button. We'll bring you in, and you can be a part of the family. And we'd love to hear more from our newcomers as well. We've seen a lot of people joining the Spoken of late, and we'd love to hear from you guys. But for all the OGs that are always in the comment thread, thank you so much, and keep that going. And for our guy, Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, 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 we appreciate your contributions this week. I know you got a lot of stuff going on today, bro, so we appreciate you. And we give our guy a little salute because he has to get the fuck up out of here. So we're going to keep the show going, though. we got a couple more seconds. Eddie, you got anything you say before you want to go? Uh for hold this L, I'm gonna give it to uh, Red Bull Formula One, uh, Sergio Perez. Fuck so- you. <laughs> He's out. That's a hey hey. Get back here real quick. We got one more thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Say it in the microphone, Eddie. Who you got in the Chiefs Chargers game? I got Chargers <laughs> by ten. Billy Hodge is gonna murder you wow. in your sleep, man. Wow. Chargers by ten at Arrowhead. I I couldn't let him go get away with that one. I knew he had to say that one, so we appreciate our guy Eddie Ortiz for contributing as much as he could today. Yeah, make sure that camera's focused on you, Trevor, because it's just us today. A little one-on-one sesh right now because we gotta get some Chiefs Chargers talk. Um, is that is that good for you? Okay. All right, so we have a very pivotal, I would say, divisional game coming up for the Chiefs and Chargers. It's an interesting matchup, not just because of the fact that a lot of people are expecting the Chargers to be a up-and-coming type team, which they are every single season, it seems, and the Chiefs obviously being a perennial uh, Super Bowl contender with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. 
But it's also the fact that both these teams are coming off very frustrating losses in games that they probably should have won in most regards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chargers game in particular, they lost to a Dallas Cowboys team that I felt the Chargers... I picked the Chargers to win that game. I thought they were the better team going into that game. I picked the Cowboys. There was a lot of Cowboys fans there. So in, in, in essence, the Cowboys pretty much had a home game on the road. You saw a lot of Dallas blue in that game. Uh, I'm going to say something about Justin Herbert here real quick, guys. And, and, and I'm Trevor and I are humongous Justin Herbert fans. I think he's I think he's a top 10 quarterback already. He's got everything you need in a, in a true quarterback. But, but can we have an honest question about Justin Herbert this season? He hasn't been very good. No. I know he's he's thrown, what, he's almost 700 yards so far this season, which is really, really good. It's yeah. about just the same as Patrick Mahomes. He's getting his yardage. But he has two touchdowns to three interceptions. And like an 88 quarterback rating, or 85 quarterback rating or whatever at this point. He's completing passes, but I haven't seen him play very well in the red zone. And he he's really dropping far, really far back in the pocket a little too much. Where he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a versatile and mobile quarterback to an extent. But I'm not seeing a lot of really good decision-making from Justin. I think he's trying to press a little too much. Mm. It could be a sophomore slump thing. I'm not really buying into that yet because I think he's going to start to catch stride. But there's really no excuse for it. He has a decent offensive line. They rehauled it this offseason. Got him some really good players on the offensive line. Yeah, He's got really good weapons in Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and Mike Williams. Like He's good got roster, yeah, a Jared Cook. I mean, that guy is an ageless player. He's always productive no matter where he plays. So there's really no excuse for them to be only averaging 19 points per game as, a, as an offense. So I want to segment. I want to start with the defense on the Chiefs side of things with this one. And by the way, I will say this, guys, that p- the penalties do play a big factor in matchups. Right now, as it currently stands, the Chiefs are the fourth, have the fourth fewest penalties in the league, which is very damn good, being 28th in the league in penalties. Mm. And the Chargers are actually the fifth highest penalized team in the NFL. So this could play a, a big factor in this game. And I just wanted to kind of throw that to the side because officials can play a factor in a game sometimes. And I don't know who's officiating the game. I know people love to play conspiracy theories. Whenever you get a certain referee officiating a game, you think that he's going to be more favorable on one team. I don't know who it is. All I do know is that so far, the Chargers have been a very undisciplined team. And when you're undisciplined, more times than not, that's going to cost you games throughout the duration of a season. Now, coming into this matchup, we've already broke it all down about how the Chiefs have really struggled on the defensive side, giving up 404 rushing yards on on the ground so far this season, just two games and 65 total points. That's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. But the reason why I feel confident in this matchup in particular for the Chiefs defense bouncing back is the fact that this Chiefs defense is built to stop the pass. They have not been terrible against the pass so far this season. They're giving up a lot of uh, they're, they're, they're allowing, I think, 75 completion percentage of quarterbacks. That's not good at all. No. But the Chiefs aren't giving up, up a lot on the air. They've only given up one passing touchdown through two games and have, have forced three interceptions. Mm-hmm. So the, off, the, the Chiefs defense in this matchup, I think it actually favors them the way Herbert's playing to this point and the way the defense is built. Now, I will say this. I think that Justin Herbert can look at this game and come into this game with the intention of being a do game. Because like I said, against the against the Washington football team, he wasn't good. Against the Cowboys, he missed so many opportunities. I know there were really bad penalties. One was a touchdown that got called back that would have equated into obviously a, of him having uh, uh, two touchdowns and two picks so far. Or, no, two, three touchdowns, three picks so far this season. But that didn't happen. One was in the end zone, too. That's what I'm saying. So I think that I think there's been some – and, that, that again, that falls back to the penalty aspect that I was talking about, them being an undisciplined team and Justin Herbert not, not capitalizing in certain big moments. But I do think that Justin Herbert's going to look at this as an opportunity. But I'm going to tell you guys right now, 
I think the Chiefs defense is going to play a pretty decent game in comparison to what they've done. I'm not saying they're going to shut the Chargers down offensively. Yeah, they still have Austin Eckler. Who's I, I, I still think the Chiefs. I think that I think the Chiefs are going to give up some points in this game, but I don't think you're going to see the Chargers out there just running all over this Chiefs offense because even Austin Eckler to that point is more of a receiving style running back than a running running back. If that makes sense, I don't think he's going to go in there and go off on them as a run offense. I think the Chiefs are going to force Justin Herbert to try to beat them through the air and actually make them play these long, strenuous types of drives because we've seen the Chargers, when they play these 13, 14 uh, play drives, they turn the ball over, they fall short, they don't play well in the red zone, they end up settling for field goals. Mm -hmm. And against the Chiefs, especially at Arrowhead, you can't settle for field goals because Patrick Mahomes is going to put it on you. So in this in this certain matchup for the Chiefs' defensive side of things, Trevor, how do you see things going? Look, this is a, this is a good Chargers team too. I think this is a good team. They barely lost to a great Cowboys offense. You know, that was a good that was a good game. It went down, to, it came down to a field goal, right? So I'm, I'm not... And that's a tough offense to defend. So as far as for the Chiefs defense, I definitely think this is the type of team that we are built to compete against more uh, more than the likes of, of, of the two first teams we played so far this season with the run-heavy offense, um, which we got to get better at that as well. But I think this this type of offense, the way that they are ran uh, and over there in L.A., I think this, this fits into... This is where Tyron can really get his uses going. This is where a Juan Thornhill can make a big play in the, you know, maybe an interception. You know, I think I think this is where uh, uh, Legarius Sneed can make a big play too. This is the kind of they, they they play into our strengths. Uh, but I will say this about uh, Justin Herbert, man. I think I think he I think he he's he's been playing well. He's had a couple bad boneheaded plays. I still think we got to worry about him, man. He's he's got he's still got that it factor to where um, he can make some plays against our defense, and and he's and plus. Uh, for his sake, too, this he's dealing with. He has a new, a completely new scheme this year, a new offensive scheme, new head coach, um, you know. And this is his sophomore year, so he has the risk of being that soft, having that sophomore slump, and having a new scheme to learn, new head coach, a new voice in the locker room, which that could be a good thing too. But also, that's a lot of that's a lot at once on one off season to go through. And he has yet to play an Arrowhead with the loaded crowd. That's the biggest, or in a meaningful game. The, that's the biggest thing. Uh, and then the Chiefs. This is bad timing for them because I granted I know that the, the Chargers are coming off uh, off of a a loss to to a, a good Cowboys team coming off a loss from that game, but also the Chiefs coming off a game that we gave away in the end to a divisional foe that we've always owned that we've been the kryptonite to. Now we're coming home to a divisional foe. It's just bad. It line, all the stars align against the Chargers in my mind in this game. But defensively, I think I think we will allow points. I do agree with you. I think our our defense tends to allow points. Uh, we like to keep it interesting. I feel like we like since we've been Chiefs fans. No matter who the coach is, we just always tend to play down to the level of our competition. We allow things to get close, especially Andy Reid. He doesn't put his his foot on the throat, which I don't like. I like aggressive football. I like putting teams away. I like embarrassing teams. I like that kind of football. That's just not who Andy Reid ever has been. Um, unless we're running it up on the Patriots or something like that. That's always fun. But I would love to see that. I just I think this is going to be a closer game than we expect. Uh, I think a lot of people are expecting a close game. I'm expecting a close game as well. I think it'll be... Um, I think our defense plays well enough to put this game away. But I know we'll touch on the offensive side. But I think that I definitely agree with you. I think bringing it back, I think this our defense, this is the kind of team that we would have more success against than a Lamar Jackson-led offense or a Nick Chubb-led offense. So I think this this definitely plays into But Keenan Allen definitely uh, has had his games against us. So I will say that. Keenan Allen has had his uh, his way. But I think LeJarius Need 
uh, will be a, I think, I don't know if we're going to shadow him or not, but Mike Williams has emerged too this year. Mike Williams has been a, a, a definitely a good deep threat guy, a big get up and get a guy. I think he's like six foot six. Um, he's like a tight end body running, you know, nine routes. So that's a guy you got to worry about too. And then I, I do believe in the Austin Eckler. I think Austin Eckler is a definite talent. I think he is a good runner of the football. He's not just receiver. I think he is a good runner of the football too. Um, so we just got to be, we, our defense has got to be on its P's and Q's. And this is a great chance for the defense to bounce back after that poorest performance um, against the run last week. So, yeah, I think, I think, I think they definitely play into our strengths, uh, the way their offense is built and the way they play offense. You mentioned something that I, I find very interesting about Justin Herbert coming to Arrowhead really for the first time. I know he played in week 17 against the Chiefs. His fans are going to give it to It was him. a meaningless game for the Chiefs at least. Uh, the Chargers obviously didn't make the playoffs, so it was also meaningless for them in, in most regards. Mm-hmm. Anything that was important. Still a close game. It's still a close. Well, yeah. the, I think they ended up pulling away like 31 to 28. Right. Or 30, 38 to 21. But I mean, it was, was about yeah. The point, is, the point is, yeah, it was a meaningless game. And also the fact that um, you're, you're, you're looking at Justin Herbert, who so far this in his career has beaten one playoff team in his career, mm-hmm. and it was the Chiefs in Week 17. So I, I just I think we're I think we're 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 contextualizing Justin Herbert's career. We're giving him praise because we see the talent, we see the way he plays football more times than not. But I also think that we need to kind of I don't want to say slow down on him because I don't want to be that guy. I just think that maybe we need to let him prove himself a little bit more when it comes to playing against legitimate teams before we start sitting here saying this guy's next. Because we still don't know that. We were we saw Josh Allen last year and how great he played, and now he's struggling mightily Looking this like season. Year. Yeah. yeah, he's starting to throw those 50-50 balls again. I don't, he's starting to panic a lot. And I know he's played good defenses too, but talent doesn't always equate into becoming a great quarterback. But so, like, like the fan thing is a big deal though. Yes. Like him playing in front of fans. And like you said, their home game was damn near a Dallas home game. And, you know, him playing, because last year he, he flourished with no fan noise. Yeah. And coming to Arrowhead, maybe the toughest place to play in the NFL. And, and I also want to say this. I also want to say this, too. That also factors into that first game he played against the Chiefs mm. in L.A. Oh, yeah, yeah, Look. No pressure. I know everyone likes to say that he almost beat the Chiefs in his last-minute start. He didn't know until kickoff he was going to even play. Mm. I'm going to give him credit for that, because he played really well in that game. He had one horrific throw that ended up being costly, that ended up costing them the game. Mm. But there's also something to that that also been, that, that I think gives the break to a Chiefs defense too because they didn't know they were facing yeah, Justin Herbert. Prep for Tyrod Taylor the and, whole, yeah, whole week. And not only did they fa- not only did they prep for Ty- to Rod Taylor, mm. but no one had any film on Justin Herbert. He hadn't right. played yet, so there is some credit we need to give the Chiefs defense in that game as well. So I think it, it, it's kind of a wash. I think people give Justin Herbert a lot of credit for that, Granted, but don't really give the, the Chiefs like very well at high level too. Right. He yeah. actually played better against other opponents than he did against the Chiefs. He didn't have a great game against the Chiefs. He had two touchdowns. One of the greatest but, rookie seasons ever. Sure, like, yes. But against credit. the Chiefs, it wasn't like he had this profound game. He played well, but to the Chiefs' credit, they had no idea they were going against him. Right. They had no idea. Up to kickoff. That's that's a significant difference. Now, looking at the inactives, or at least the, the, the injury report to this point for the Chargers, here we go again. <laughs> here we go again, guys. Joey Bosa's not playing in this game. I know they haven't officially ruled him out, That's but he huge. has not practiced all week long, guys. He has that, uh, what is it, a foot and ankle injury. And we know Joey Bosa's had a lot of lower lower body, lower extremity issues with it throughout his career. Guys, this is why I don't buy into this Chargers team as a whole. I had them going 8-9 and nine this season for this very reason. Are they talented? Yes. Do they have a, 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 a head coach that could garner some attention this year? And Brandon Staley? Sure. They have Justin Herbert, but can we say with any definitive uh, uh, confidence that this team can stay healthy for an entire year? Derwin James is on the uh, – he has a toe injury. He didn't practice half the week. He's probably going to play. But Chris Harris is officially ruled out. 
Now, th this may not have mattered against the Ravens, but to the point that one of my guys from Kingdom Says Podcast said this week on, when I was with them that it makes a lot of sense is the Ravens could bounce back from that type of thing because why? They're a team that is famous for what? Building depth. They are incredibly good at drafting good players. So even when the Ravens lose players, they have the next man up. They are literally that team that does the next man up thing. The Chargers aren't that team. Yeah. Once they lose a Derwin James or lose a Joey Bosa, they're fucked. Yeah, especially and, Joey Bosa. And Joey Bosa, does, it doesn't look like he's going to play in this Joey game. We've seen Joey Bosa have good games against Pat and get and after he, Pat. And even if Joey Bosa plays in this game, how do we know he's going to be effective? Yeah. He didn't practice all or week. We aggravate the injury even worse. Tyron Matthew had covid and was, was, wasn't practicing all week, and he was ready to go, and yeah. the Chiefs didn't play him because he wasn't conditioned. If you don't play, if you don't practice all week, I can't imagine Joey Bosa is going to be there and ready to go. And if you look at the rest of that front seven, you look at the rest of that front seven from the Chargers, they don't they don't look like a front seven that we are used to with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa and these other guys that can go in there and get pressure on the quarterback, with especially the fact that the Chiefs have a revamped offensive line. And that's where I want to transition to the offensive side for the Chiefs. Because... I told Trevor before the show, man, I, I got I to gotta break some stuff down, guys, because everybody, I know Chiefs fans as a whole, they think of the Chargers matchups and they go, oh, man, them Chargers, they give Patrick Mahomes the biggest matchup problems outside of Bilicek. They make him work for everything, and that's true, guys. It's true when they had Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Gus Bradley's no longer there. He's doing good things for the Raiders right now. True, and we can get to that when that Raiders matchup comes around, yeah. but here's the thing, guys. Brandon Staley was a good defensive coordinator for the one year he was the Rams defensive coordinator, but it's I, I'd imagine it's hard to be bad when you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I'd really imagine it'd be difficult to have a bad defense when you have two of the best defenders in the league in their prime. So no, 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 no taking away from Brandon Staley. He did a good job, and he deserved to get an opportunity as head coach. But guys, this is a completely different scheme. Get, Gus Bradley liked to run that single high safety stuff and bring the house and try to you know make things a living hell for Patrick Mahomes in the middle of the field and not allow him to get those deep shots. That's Gus Bradley's style. Brandon Staley plays a much different style of defense, guys. He plays a lot of zone, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of open area for Patrick Mahomes to dive in deep, dick and dunk uh, on the defense to guys like Byron Pringle and McCall Hartman. We saw have big games against the Ravens last week. It's more similar to the Ravens style of defense than it is Gus Bradley's style of defense. So I'm going to tell you guys right now, as confident as I am that the Chargers can come in here and put up some points, I'm even more confident that, that Patrick Mahomes changes that narrative of struggling against the Chargers yeah. and I say struggling but it's so funny in the four games Patrick Mahomes has played against the Chargers he has uh 10 touchdowns only two interceptions mm. and he's only lost one time or sorry five games he has four and one against the Chargers in his career so we sit here and say he struggles but, but he it's only really lose that one loss yeah it's only to the standard no no I'm saying he did he did legitimately lose to oh, him on yeah, Thursday yeah, night yeah. Uh, 2018 it was that one that final play on the two-point conversion that Phil which by the way the Chargers lined up illegally and they didn't call it yeah, but I remember that yeah regardless Patrick Mahomes has not really struggled against the Chargers, just to the standard of what he does to everybody else. He has, but Gus Bradley is no longer there, guys, and I think that's going to play. I think that's going to play a factor in this game. Yeah. Travis Kelsey and his crew. I was talking to Shaggy before the show today. Uh, he was asking me the, the Travis Kelsey's numbers against the Chargers in his career. Not very good. Five receptions, only forty-four yeah, yards, put and the two, clamps on him. two total touchdowns in thirteen games against the Chargers. 13 games. He only has two touchdowns. Yeah. Travis Kelsey has become a touchdown machine. Mm -hmm. I think Travis Kelsey is going to have a big game. Mm. I, I'm, I'm telling even you guys right Derwin now. Even if Derwin James plays? Even if Derwin James plays. Oof. And the biggest reason why, guys, is because we still don't know. Derwin James hasn't had like this great season so far this season. Yeah. And Travis Kelsey somehow, someway is getting better at football. He's getting, And I expect the Chargers I play to. last week, man. I'm telling you. 
I, I know that, I know that the Chargers are going to probably have Derwin on Travis Kelsey all game long. Yeah, yeah. But we also saw Denzel Ward last year in the playoffs against Travis Kelsey, and everyone was like, "Oh, he's really good against tight ends." And then what did we see? Travis Kelsey when Patrick Mahomes was in the game was balling on Denzel Ward. Yeah. So I think, guys, that this is gonna you're gonna see a difference in how the Chiefs play against the Chargers, at least offensively, just because of the significance of losing one defensive coordinator and one defensive scheme going to the next. I think the Chiefs play much better against a Brandon Staley style defense than a Gus Bradley. Yeah, um, I have no doubt in my mind that Chiefs are going to go out there and put up points. Uh, this is this is we're, this is a, not only a balance back game, but it's a home game against a divisional foe. Pat's going to get up for this game. Andy Reid's going to want to go right some wrongs. Spagger's going to want to go right some wrongs. Chris Jones is going to go want to right some wrongs with or without Frank Clark on the other edge, which I'm expecting him not to play. Uh, Jaron Reed is going to want to go right some wrongs. I think we're going to. I think we're really going to show an emphasis on stuff in the run. So whenever we see Austin Eckler get that ball, we see them line up in the I formation, anything like that. Expect the, this this defense to get after it, and that's not the best O line over there either. So I think we'll get after him pretty well. Um, I think I'm calling it now. This is my McColl game. I think McColl's gonna have a game this week. I think he's gonna have a couple touchdowns. I think he's gonna eat up that slot. I think he's gonna get a lot of yak yards or yak yards, a lot of yak. Um, I just think I just have I just feel it. I just feel like this is one of those games because he's kind of been like they've kind of held back the reins on getting him the ball and getting him. There's been a couple plays where there could have been some big plays, uh, and they have been using him more in the slot. Um, and I do, I do like the fact that th- this matchup, if I feel, just plays to the strengths of t- more of a Tyreek, and they can they can hold Travis Kelsey to a bad game all day. He could be a decoy all day. I just think the speed of McColl and Tyreek is going to be too much for this defense because we can we, they can even they can barely uh, uh, contain CB Lamb, CD Lamb. Granted, CD Lamb is an extremely good talent, and R. Cooper is obviously, but th- those two guys are have great speed and great are great at getting separation. That's what makes those two receivers so great. Um, and that's what makes McCole Hardman and Tyreek Hill so good is their yeah. speed, their ability to stop and turn. And I've been seeing McCole getting better at his routes, and they've been using him more in different sections of the field, which I like. They're spreading him around, moving him around. I can even see him making some big plays on some like you know jet sweeps, in round stuff, some pre snap movement stuff. I just think this is going to be a good game for McCole. Um, that's what I see happening. Him and him and Tyreek. I think this is a speedster type game offensively. We can we can let uh, um, Travis Kelsey's still going to get his. He's still going to get you know a bad game for Travis Kelsey is like five catches for like sixty five yards, seventy five yards, moving the sticks. If Travis Kelsey's is going to be that 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 you know curl route guy, getting you know the first downs, moving the sticks, whatever, whatever. Um, and I do I do think Clyde's going to get more involved. I don't think this is the game that Clyde just erupts though. I think this is the game to kind of get Clyde's mind right, get him some good touches, some good confident chunk yard plays, kind of get him you know re you know just. After that fumble, you know he's in the dumps. He's mentally going to be in the dumps. I don't think this is a game where we got to force feed him because I don't think we're going to have to. That's, think, not, that's not Andy Reid's way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of that time, the end game, because he fumbled late and, 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 and blew the game for us. It was different. Like with the Kareem Hunt situation, it was the first play, right? It was Kareem's first play. And then after that, we're like, fuck it. We're going to feed your ass. Mm-hmm. And they fed him. They fed him. And then they ended up eating the Patriots up. That's an entirely different scenario. And I don't think there's any real reason to just – for, and I think a lot. I think a lot of people are expecting us to force feed Clyde after that. I think a lot of teams are expecting us to, you know, force get that right. I don't think that's. I don't think that's going to be the. I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think that's Andy Reid's style, like you said. I think McColl and the speed of Tyreek Hill are going to eat that defense up. And just to just to let you know, but to your point to Travis Kelsey about how a bad game is yeah. five six catches for 60, 70 yards. 
to that point since the beginning of last season, he's only had two games under 60 receiving yards. And both of those games were when Chiefs were blowing out the Broncos and the Houston Texans in week one. So they didn't need to throw him the ball. They were just running the ball and killing the clock, and the defense played really well. So to your point, a bad game for Travis Kelsey is six receptions for 70, 65, 70 yards. He's not getting seven first downs. I'm good with it. Well, and I I actually am expecting a game a little bit better than that. I I know that his average against the Chargers is incredible so far. Yeah, five receptions for 44 yards and less than a touchdown per game, obviously. I do think Travis Kelsey actually gets another touchdown and getting closer to that uh, Antonio Gates record, which mm. is nine straight games with a touchdown. Right now, Travis is sitting at six, which only four tight ends in the history of the NFL have ever done that. Mm. So I do expect that Travis is going to get a touchdown in this game. I'm expecting a six to seven reception, 80, 85 yard touchdown kind of game, which is an incredible game. My breakout player for this game, and I, I, I think there's two of them, and I'm going to utilize two of them because Eddie's not here, so I get away with that. Um, the defensive side, I do think Chris Jones is going to have a good game. Okay. I think Chris Jones is going to have a big bounce back game because Chris Jones is the type of guy that when he hears that type of shit out there and he sees the pro football focus rank him dead last amongst all edge rushers in week two, I think he's going to respond to that. And the Chargers offensive line has not been that great, even though they did change things in this offseason. But to your point, a lot of makeshift moves have been happening in this offseason for a team that still we don't know truly what they are. Justin Herbert's been struggling to stay in the pocket and do what he needs to do. He's been getting a little antsy. He's made some mistakes, more mistakes than positive plays. I think Chris Jones is going to get a sack in this game. I think he's going to be a defensive presence, creating havoc for Justin Herbert to actually do what he wants to do on a consistent basis. But on the offensive side, Tyreek Hill is going to go off in this yeah. game. I'm going to say that right now. Because as, as average as Travis can't handle that speed. Yeah, as, as average as Travis Kelsey has been in most of his game against the Chargers, Tyreek Hill's eight. And I don't know if you remember, but last season in that week two game against the Chargers, do you remember who had the decide deciding play? Patrick Mahomes putting that ball on the money and Tyreek Hill breaking open yep. and burning those defensive backs. They don't have Chris Jones. Or I'm sorry, Chris Harris in this game. Yeah. Chris Harris didn't play in this That's game. That's why I like McColl. Like and you're probably right. And you know me. A slot corner. I'm all for that. I want to yeah. see McColl go off. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you right now, because of how bad Tyreek was last week, only getting 11 yards yeah. in, uh, in, rec- in receiving yards. I think they both go off. I just think I think McColl scores yeah. two touchdowns. I'm going to tell you right now, I think I think Tyreek's going to have 120 yards and a touchdown this game. I think that you're going to see both Travis and Tyreek score in this game. And I, I think that Tyreek's going to lead the team in receptions and in yards in this game. I think he's going to have nine to 10 receptions for 120 plus yards and a touchdown. Maybe even fuck around and get two so touchdowns. Kelsey and Tyreek both going off. I think they're both going to combine for about 200 yards and two touchdowns. I think the Chiefs are going to score a lot of points in this game. Yeah. Look, look, this, this, We're I, angry. I'm going to tell you right now, man, I, I really think, because I posted this poll uh, at this, in the spoken about which which all time, or which single season record do people think Patrick Mahomes is going to break? Because I think he's going to break at least one. Mm-hmm. I very well, I think Patrick Mahomes can break two, two records this season. I think he's going to break the yardage record that Drew Brees currently has in 2011. He had 11. Or, yeah, no, I'm sorry. 13 games in 2011 with 300 yards. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to break that record this year. I think there's a significant if chance. Defense keeps playing that way. I, mean. I think there's a significant chance that every start of Patrick Mahomes' season this season he has 300 yards. I really think that, which means he would he would break the single season yards record, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to break the quarterback rating record. Aaron Rodgers right now, which ironically said it also in 2011, uh, has a 122.5 quarterback rating. I think Patrick Holmes is going to have a 124 plus quarterback rating this season. And I think that's going to continue because this offensive line is going to continue to gel. I don't think they have a lot of tough defenses down the slate. And I think Patrick Holmes is going to get his this season, guys. So I think the Chiefs are going to score a lot of points in this game. And you know how this offense plays when Tyreek Hill's going off. When they when Tyreek Hill's going off, this offense is literally unstoppable. You can't oh, yeah. stop this offense. It opens everything up. To the point about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 
I would love this idea, especially against a defense as bad as the Chargers have been. Mm-hmm. The Chargers have not been a good defense so far. I know in the scoring category they haven't been bad, but they've given up only 70, I think, 70 fewer yards this season on the ground than the Chiefs have. But they do give up air yards to running backs. Exactly. That's, that's one way to be. So, so to your point, I'm Please. hoping that he gets at least a few receptions in yeah. this game to get him going because as bad as he's been running the ball, which he has been, he's only averaging 3.3 yards Run per carry. hasn't been good, man. Give him the opportunity in the pass game. I would like to see Clyde get four to five catches in this game. If you give Clyde four to five catches in this game, you're talking about an offense. Because yeah. when was the Chiefs offense at its best with Patrick Mahomes? When they had Kareem Hunt. Yeah. And what was Kareem Hunt great at? Not just running the ball. He was insanely... Dude, and shit. Yeah. In 11 weeks in the 2018 season, Kareem Hunt added seven receiving touchdowns. Seven. Damian Williams. I mean, go great. He wasn't the postseason because of his, his catching prowess. It's, it's stupid. That, yeah, exactly. I don't know when why you we're see not using the him. most effective yeah. running games the Chiefs have had is when they've had running backs that are catching the ball. Yeah. That's when the Chiefs are at their best offensively. I will say this: this is this, this is our first divisional game. Andy Reid, especially the first divisional game of the year, Andy Reid likes to break out some things we haven't seen yet. Do you think there's going to be a scenario in one of our series where we have a four tight end set? Yes. 100%. So I, think, I know, yeah. There's always He always breaks out some new stuff for these divisional games. Yes. Just like the, the wheel route wrinkles. play to Anthony Sherman or, you know. And, you know it's, I'm glad you brought that up. Like that. I'm glad you brought that up because I actually think that Andy Reid has been holding some stuff for this game. I think he's like, oh, the first two weeks, we don't need to show some of these things I'm working on the offseason. Yeah. But Same we know the there's no coincidence that the Chiefs held on to four tight ends. They didn't just do that oh, yeah. just for the hell of it. Well, they have an all-pro tight end. We're going to see things that we've never done before. You're going right. to see things. So I That's why I want to ask you. I think, I think there might be a, a scenario maybe a couple times where we see a, a four tight end set you know or or you just I don't T-Rex know. is a, our guy Travis Kelsey or like spread them all out like, who knows what he's going to do I think there's going to be some trickery plays here yeah. and that's why I think I think McColl is going to be on the good end of that I think they're going to disguise something and McColl is going to break free on a couple big plays I'm just expecting a big game I could be wrong I was wrong last year when I tried to call a couple McColl games but I have a good feeling about this one he hasn't had an interruption game yeah. yet. Yeah, and see, that's so. the thing that I think, and real quick before we move on to the to hold this L, is that I think that people are being overly critical on McCole Hardman right now. And if you look at it, he's not having a bad season so far. He's not having a great season. He caught five passes last week. He caught three the week before, and he's only had 11 targets. So he's got eight catches on 11 targets. That's, that's efficient. If you can get, what is that? Over eighty, almost eighty percent of your catches or your uh, your receptions and targets, you're catching the ball. He, I, I think you're right, though, man. I, I'm open minded to the idea that McCole Hardman has a breakout game because of the fact that I know that the Chiefs get up for games like this, and they always like to trust their best players, and they let those guys eat. Mm-hmm. I think Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are going to continue that. I think you're going to see both those guys have monster games. I think you're going to see 200 total yards for both of them and two touchdowns. I would love to see McCole get a big shot. I would love to see Clyde Edwards-Helaire ha- you know break out in the passing game. I'm hoping that happens regardless though i'm very confident the chiefs are going to win this game i think that there's a lot of factors into it and we broke down most of it but at the end of the day andy reed owns the afc west justin herbert philip rivers doesn't matter who their quarterback is he has found ways to beat these teams and the chargers have always had talented rosters over the last eight to ten years i do want to pick my defensive player though you do you pick chris jones i'm going to pick legerious good call i think legerious needs like you like we alluded to before we started this segment about this game we talked about how this the chargers offense plays into the strengths of our defense it's, our defense is built to stop our, our divisional foes. Our, all of our divisional teams like to either like throw the mid, mid, mid or deep throws. So I think, I think LeJarius Need is going to have an interception or a, a possible interception, a big breakup. 
Um, maybe uh, he's really good on those um, those uh, those blitzes too. I can see him maybe getting a sack. I think he's going to make a couple of big plays in this game. I think he's going to be the star of the defense this year. You say Chris Jones. I fully expect Chris Jones to have a bounce back game as well, and he could very well steal the show. But I think Legereus Sneed's been kind of quiet this year, which is good. You want your corners to be quiet. You don't want their names being mentioned because typically when a corner is being mentioned, it's him getting burnt. Legereus Sneed is a solid player, and I think he's going to – have a couple of big plays that are getting, his name's going to be mentioned, but in a bright light. So that's yeah. my pick. For the and just a side note, because I know we're kind of going a little long on this one, but you guys know we are. When those Twidwells get going, we get going. Um, the whole Frank Clark thing, I, I'm, I'm very much over it. I, I'm willing to be wrong and say that Frank Clark all of a sudden – you know, has an unforeseen stretch it's coming up. He's getting I don't paid. anticipate it. He's getting paid to not play. I compared it's... this, and, I, and I'm sure this pisses a lot of people off because there's a lot of people that loved Eric Berry, and I did too. Yeah. But this is starting to feel like the 2018 Eric Berry season when it comes to Frank Clark. You you knew that it, it was the last ride. You knew this was the last go at it with that player, and it just continued to clunk all the way down. He wasn't playing. He wasn't available. And when he was, he was terrible. Off-field shit. Yeah, and he's overpaid. All this other stuff. Like, Frank Clark as a whole right now has been an utter failure. I know that... The, look, I know he had three really good games in the playoffs of the 2019 season. In the playoffs in the 2019 season. Yeah. The Chiefs didn't sign him to a three-game contract. They sent him to a five-year deal and gave him over $100 million. This has not lived up to the expectation. Frank Clark has not lived up to the expectation. He has nine sacks in his last 19 games. It's not good. It's just not good. And, 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 and I expected better from him, especially when you have a player as great as Chris Jones is next to you. When you have a guy like that and you don't perform, I mean, I put you in the Jadavian Clowney category. Yeah. Like, how do you how do you have the talent you have and players around you like you have and you're still so subpar? It doesn't really make sense to me. We've well, seen it a lot of times when players get paid too, man. And, yes, and that, that was – thank you for saying that because yeah. that's where I'm at. I think that right now Frank Clark that, is just very subtle and very – you know, he's content – with how life is for him now. He's a 28-year-old dude. He knows this is probably his last season with the Chiefs. He's made his money. Yeah. He's had his success. He got a Super Bowl ring. I think he's just extremely he content. Yeah. He did. And I'm not sitting here trying to take that away from him. I will forever, he will forever garner that respect from me. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's still, it's still a business of what have you done for me lately. And over the last two seasons, including this season, I'm talking about the last season plus two games, yeah. Frank Clark has not been a player that I think is deserving of the money he's making. Well, and he's got soft tissue issues right now with this hamstring, and, the, and now it's his other hamstring. So now he's got two hamstrings that are, like, iffy, and that's never a good thing, especially with an edge player. Um, I will say it's a long season. I know that's cliche, but to combat what you said, like, he has a lot of time to prove himself this season, at least finish strong, whether he plays with us next year or not, which I'm almost for sure certain that he's not going to be here next year. He has a lot of, a lot of games left in this season to finish out strong. And to get himself healthy, if he has to take a couple extra weeks off, I'm fine with that. If we know in the long run he can prove himself and play good football throughout the duration of the rest of the season, he's got we got an extra game even more. You know, we got one more extra game to even add to that to you know finish the season strong, be a contributor because we're gonna need him, man. We are gonna need Frank Clark because that only helps Chris Jones. We we've been excited about Chris Jones being on the edge and being this guy and having these career numbers and you know being that new setting the tone guy at the edge, which we love. We love him. We're excited about, but we're gonna need another guy on the other side. To, to balance that out. Frank Clark's, we, we need him. We need Frank Clark's talent. We know he has it in him. It's just, is he, does he want to be that guy? You know, we haven't seen it yet. So I'm hoping as the season goes on, he proves himself a little bit more, but I'm not too. Yeah, if not, the Chiefs are going to have to take an L on that one. And speaking of L's, we have one more order of business. Trevor, what's it called? Hold this L. L. What we do each and every week is we wrap up each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports, whether they're friendly or unfriendly. We promise you that who has ever. Holding those L's in the world of sports from us, 
Those motherfuckers deserve it. Trevor, who is holding the L for you this week? Look, I'm going to keep it simple and concise, short and concise. We've already been going for over two hours, but Colin Cowherd's going to have to hold it for me, man, because I knew you were probably going to go there, but this one, I, I couldn't I could not mention it. Um, after Right after the, the debacle in, in Baltimore when the Chiefs lost, finally lost to the Ravens, they finally got theirs against us, and it took us beating ourselves for them to even get that. Nonetheless, he decided to tweet immediately after that game, Lamar, period, king of the AFC quarterbacks. <laughs> I want to say that's trolling, which it probably is in, in, in the heart of it, because Colin likes to do that for ratings, and I get it. He's great at what he does. He's, he's great at getting eyeballs. He's great at stirring the pot. But that might be the most absurd thing. And all kudos to Lamar. He's great. But for him to finally be, what, he's 1-3 against the Chiefs now and 1-4 in the postseason? He's the king of the AFC quarterbacks? He's not even better than Josh Allen yet. Josh Allen actually got some more, he's got some dubs under him. You know, I, I got to agree that Josh Allen's never beat Pat either until this point. Lamar finally got his W, but it took us losing the game, not him winning it. He didn't go out there and win that game. Right? He played well enough to win, but Lamar didn't go out there and just win the game. We gave it away. The game was, at, the, the W was in our, in our hands and we let it slip through our hands. It's just somebody as high, as high paid and as clouded as Colin Cowherd is. That's just a trash take and such a slave to the moment type deal. We, we've had this entire, you're just going to ignore the entire body of work that's gone on up to that, leading up to that moment. Lamar is coming off a loss to the Raiders, to Derek Carr, who's also an AFC quarterback. Was Derek Carr the best AFC quarterback at that time when he beat Lamar? So what are we doing here, man? It's just, that's such a trash take. It's such a trash tweet. I know he's been getting slandered, and I know Nick Wright bodied him. Um, <laughs> per usual. On, yeah, so I know that's low-hanging fruit, but I just had it. That had to, I, I didn't know if Eddie was going to mention that at all on the, on the show, so I, I feel like that had to make oh, it's, it. It's the weekly F1 for Eddie. so <laughs> Right, so I didn't know if he was going to mention that in the Eddie Hour or anything, or how, or what our thoughts were on that tweet. So the fact that it wasn't mentioned, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. But for that, Colin Cowherd, what are you thinking, my guy? I love you, but what are you thinking? Stop with the trolling jobs. Do me a favor and hold, hold this, this L. L. I'm actually uh, I'm I'm gonna give a W uh, to Ravens fans and, and the Ravens as a whole. I mean, it, it, all jokes aside, yeah. that was a big win for their franchise. That's a great fan base. That's thing. that's where that fan that, that's where that franchise is at. I'm not even trying to diss them really, but that that is now what they would consider a monumental win. Absolutely, because they have that had change the whole season for them. Yeah, they've had one playoff win in their last seven seasons. So. That's a big win for them, and 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 I'm almost flattered, like you said earlier. It's it's flattering that, that, that the, the Chiefs basically play 17 Super Bowls every single. <laughs> they play 17 Super Bowls. Get everyone's now. best. Yeah. And, and this is why I said I was confident the Ravens were going to score this week is because of the fact that they knew they had to bring it, and they knew that this Chiefs defense has been struggling. And I'm going to give credit to where credits due because we all expected the Chiefs win. I had the Chiefs winning comfortably. Yeah. I had the Chiefs winning. What was it? 42 to 27. I had them winning a 15-point game I on said the road. Score, score a cool 30 and walk out of there healthy. Like, yeah, we, we talked our that was shit. A battle, man. We talked our shit. And I think it's, at this point, kind of easy to just give myself an L. But I'm actually just going to give the Ravens and their fans a W. Of course. You know how good that probably felt all week long for them to sit there and celebrate that? Now they get to play the the Lions despite having, what was it, four, four or five players now on the COVID list for the Ravens? I mean, they're literally one more injury or a COVID test positive being the replacements, a true story of the replacements. Because they have so many guys <laughs> out right now. But I still, I would anticipate they'd probably still beat the Lions. The point, though, 
is. Yeah. That's a great win for them, man. I'm happy for their fans because I'm sure that it's been rough for them losing to the Raiders like they did, losing all these players, and then beating the face of the NFL. Really, I mean, that was. I'm gonna give them a W for it, man. But I think the I think the Chiefs are gonna bounce back very quickly, as in this next uh, next game. My L <laughs> is actually gonna go to another AFC team. So we, I beginning of this season, going into this offseason, I was I was convincing myself that I think the Colts are going to be a good team. I think they're a team that's going to make the playoffs. I liked the Carson Wentz signing because I think Carson Wentz is a very talented player. And I thought, man, behind that offensive line with Frank Wright and him and I, him and them re, uh, re, reuniting again, this is going to probably be a good thing for the Colts. They're probably going to be a very respectable team. Well, not only are the Colts yet to win a game this season, but now Carson Wentz has had three injuries. And two of those injuries came on one play. He now has not one but two bad wheels, guys. He has two flat tires right now, and he's a bicycle. So Carson Wentz is now sitting here injured. I'm not trying to give a, an L to a guy who's injured because that's fucked up to me. I, I don't sit here and dance around the grave of an injured player. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting that, that Carson Wentz said something in his press conference the other day, and I'm going to call him out for it. Just listen to this real quick and tell me what you guys notice. I mean, still sore. Um, still sore both of them and working through it um honestly a lot of unknown see how my body responds and doing everything we can uh each day's shoot each couple hours it's gotten better so uh we'll, we'll kind of see how it continues to progress and listen to the doctors listen to uh my body and see where, see where we're at wait a second did <laughs> hold on let me let me let me, let me go ahead let me, hold on i think i missed something guys hold on let me, let me try to skip forward and Listen to this real quick. I see how it continues to progress and listen to the doctors, listen to uh, my body. And oh, 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 we're listening to doctors now. Wait a second. I, I could have swore like two weeks ago, Carson Wentz was sitting here and telling everybody that he's not going to get vaccinated because of how he feels and it's a personal decision. Going against what the doctors are telling everybody. But, but now that he's got another injury, Carson's going to talk about listening to doctors. Man, Trev, how convenient is that shit? So we're going to just pick and choose when to listen to the experts. Wow! Would yes. you look at that? Carson Wentz using his brain. That Trust the professionals. Wow! I did... I did whoa, whoa! Holy shit! <laughs> That's insane! I had, like, I, had, I had to listen to it twice just now. I've heard it like eight times. That's incredible. Congratulations to you, Carson. You pick and choose when to listen to the people that are literally saving lives out there. Do me a solid, Mr. Carson Wentz, and hold, hold this L. L. Woo! They say vaccinations keep you from, from foot injuries. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I heard. I, don't know. I just... <laughs> that's incredible that's just incredible robocop sitting here I talking about when he's choosing to listen i think he is starting though i think he's actually i don't play. think he is he hasn't practiced in all week they said he's actually likely i think there was a oh, recent, really okay recent well, update on the injury he's, we'll have to hold on J jacob easton season yeah we'll see yeah I'm no not jacob easton season out there but man that was a fun show guys that was an absolute fun show we've been trying to keep it within like the two hour range but man we us motor mouth twidwills over here man we just get going and uh we promise you we always just try to give you guys honest and true and authentic content and i hope that you guys are enjoying that so uh, i'm just going to end it right here right now we are so excited about this chiefs chargers game i cannot wait to yeah. see what the chiefs do and how they bounce back in this game i hope you guys enjoyed this show and so for eddie ortiz mr yo 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 for trevor twidwell for the great clay windler that puts all this bad boy together I am Lance Twidwell of the Spoken Podcast. Episode 135 is done. It's good. It's finito. And until 136, when we recap the Chiefs Chargers game, 
and we talk about that Chiefs-Eagles game, the reuniting of Andy Reid versus his old That's gonna be a good team, one. which is going to be fun. Jalen Hurts. We out of this bitch. You guys have a great weekend. Later. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the Spoken. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.